Boo. Am I being jested? Am I being told I'm not good enough? Or is this a ghost? It's a ghost who thinks you're not good enough. Boo. Boo. <laughs> boo. I say boo. <laughs> and, and also the Simpsons joke. It's a Burns thing, <laughs> the too. It's a Burns thing. What isn't a Simpsons joke is that we want your ghost stories. For this year's Creepy Christmas Haunted Hanukkah episode, we are going to be reading ours and your ghost stories from Los Angeles County. So your LA ghost stories, we want to hear them and we will read them live on the episode and talk about how scary they were and how much you probably made up and embellished about it. If you want to have your ghost story read on our Creepy Christmas Haunted Hanukkah episode, email it to us, la.meekly at gmail.com or send it to us even on our website, lameeklypodcast.com or on social media, la underscore meekly. You could send it to us anywhere. We want your ghost story as long as it's from LA County Limits. So think about it before you send in a long message and a story, ask yourself, did this happen in LA County? So send it to us. We want it. Yeah. Do it quickly because it's coming up. It's coming. And also, boo. Happy Halloween to you. And happy Halloween to all of us who celebrate. What what day is it today? It's just like a bunch of like rats and bats outside the window. <laughs> let me in, let me in. You young bat, what day is it? Uh. Fetch me the rat, the one as big as you. Uh, as Scrooge goes to the window to ask the kid what day is it, but it's the little kid from Salem's Lot who's floating out the window because he's a vampire. <laughs> he's rapping on the he's door. On the let door. me in. <laughs> no, what day is it? Uh, this is the nightmare before Christmas. The nightmare before a Christmas carol. That's what we. That's what I've wanted. That's what I've wanted is to see Jack Skellington be up beneath your Scrooge. I, I wouldn't mind seeing, rather than he just, than Jack, we're, t- we're speaking of nightmare Jack Christmas. Skellington. Yeah. The pumpkin kid. The pumpkin you may kid. know him as. The pumpkin. Not the mayor. It holds no presidential <laughs> or honorary, ti- yeah, honorary. honorary title. It's some sort of monarchy. <laughs> I think when he dies, maybe his pervert uh, son might take over. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What I, you know that I don't know much about the royal family. But when Jack Skellington does pass, uh, I will be in line to see his corpse. <laughs> if you can somehow pass beyond being a skeleton. <laughs> Well, just like Jello or yeah. something. What if, what if uh, I imagine when the queen died, just like how the mayor was going on in his car through the town, the king is dead. Like, I imagine that's what ha- was going on in England. And that's how people found out. On a really old horse ringing a bell. It's trying to sound over the double-decker buses or whatever. Yeah. Trying to announce it over the sound of celebratory bagpipes. <laughs> they have to mourn louder than Ireland is celebrating. <laughs> or Scotland. See, I don't know anything about uh, uh, yeah. what goes on in that magical island, except for the history of Middle Earth. (laughs) But rather than Jack Skellington taking over Christmas in general, I would like to see him take over a Christmas carol. I would love that. And the ghosts visit him and he's like, I'm not going back there. That'd be really good. It'd be good if they just implanted Jack Skellington into a normal Charles Dickens thing and everyone's like, oh, there's a skeleton here. He's like, hi, hi, everybody. I'm sick of scaring kids on Halloween. I want to pickpocket people on the street as an orphan. And he goes through like the Oliver door in the woods. I said, more!
Yeah, he pulls his, yeah. his mouth out really far. Um, what, what other what other uh, Mar- um, Charles uh, Dickens stories can he do? What other Charles Dickens stories are there? One more thing about a Christmas Carol. Marlowe comes in the middle of the night and he's like, "Oh my god, you're a skeleton!" Hello there. <laughs> They're trying to scare. They end up scaring each yeah, other. All yeah. of the ghosts are scared. Of him. <laughs> my lord, <laughs> the ghost of Christmas future is like, you know, never mind. I'm good. Oh, you're fu- you're fine. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with them beyond where I came from. No, no, let's hang out. <laughs> now that we've got that out of our system, what are some other Charles? Dickens stories. There's a Christmas Carol. There's Taylor Twist. Is that Charles Dickens? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Is that is that Tolstoy? Is that The Weekend? <laughs> That's The Weekend. I played Daniel his first Weekend song, and he immediately was like, "Who's this?" I'm like, "The Weekend." Like, no, who is it? No, really? No, no. I as I realized, I believe that's a Rod Stewart song he's sampling. Okay. A Tale of Two Cities. Okay, yeah. so it was the scariest of times. It was the bloodiest of times. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to look up. They usually, if you look up an actor, they tell you what movies, and they put all, but like they don't do that for what authors. movies has Charles Dickens been in? Yeah, lately? what's he directed? <laughs> is he on Cobra Kai? <laughs> Charles Dickens uh, gives Terry Silver a kick in the jaw. David Copperfield is his other one. Oh, okay. Oh, Great Expectations is his other one. Okay. Okay, this doesn't matter at all. Let's let's start. He was born in Los Angeles. Let- <laughs> let's turn all of these into Halloween titles just for the next 30 minutes okay Oliver Twist is already kind of one <laughs> if the twist is your spine or something yeah, or your Oliver neck. Twisted Spine Oliver Twisted <laughs> that's my magician's name if we're gonna pick a magician based on a Charles Dickens I, and please welcome to the stage the magical stylings of A Christmas Carol <laughs> my, my name's Carol I'm Carol hi hi hi. <laughs> but look we, this can't go on let's before we get into it let's welcome our new Patreon person. Well, we, wel- we welcome all of you. Yeah. But in particular, a thank you to our new Patreon person. Mm-hmm. We've got RDM. RDM. That's all there is. RDM. Welcome aboard, RDM. I hope to send you. I don't know what it stands for. The only name I could think of that starts with an with the initials RM is Richard Mansour, which I believe is the real name of Dick Dale. Oh, possibly. <laughs> so welcome in Dick Dale. The D in the middle might be for Dick. Our new Patreon person, KMFDM. Our new Patreon person, CD, <laughs> Charles, Charles Dickens, Charles Richardson's. <laughs> uh, so thank you, RDM, yeah, thank for you. supporting us. And any of you can support us. If you go to patreon.com slash LA Meekly, you can give us some money. If you hit the $5 a month level, we will send you handwritten postcards every month and uh, you'll get them in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> it's October it's now. October it's 1st. October 1st. It's the Halloweeniest month. So we're doing our Halloween episode. But before we get to Halloween... What did you do in the past month, Greg, in the month of September? I know you told me not to wake you. Oh, no, you, you did want me to you wake you. You did want me yeah. to wake you. You should probably go first. What did you do last night till three in the morning? I not barely, let's say, 10 hours ago, I was screaming my little butt off because I, for the first time, went to Universal Studios Halloween Horror wow. Nights. I've been building up to get the courage to do it for years, mm-hmm. and I, I was very scared going into it, and it was, it, it's very crowded. <laughs> yeah, it's very crowded. What did you think of when you walked through the, the main gates, the smell of, uh, of fog, of fog The smell fog. of fog and also the smell of chainsaw. Gas. Oh, right. The chainsaw gas is the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like right off the bat, they like grab you by the throat right yeah. when you walk in and you're immediately being chased by clowns. I work chainsaw. here. I'm doing a shift. <laughs> I'm trying to clock in. Uh, well, I'm chocolate. I'm trying to clock you out. Uh, no, really. I have to fill out my W4. Yeah, I've got four W's for you. Uh, War wickedness. <laughs> wickedness. And willingness to weep. Wiggly worms. Uh, the scariest thing. Weeping wiggly worms. Weeping wiggly worms. You haven't done our warm up. The first one we did was the... I'm 
going to go through one by one. But the first oh, one we did was... Uh, I'm not going to go one through one like we did before I, we recorded. Yeah, before, yeah. We did the back lot tour where they let you out in the back lot and you get to walk through the set of Psycho, which was so cool. Like that all alone is almost worth the price yeah. of admission, which is high. Criminally high. Yeah, that was maybe my favorite part. And I think I, I'm pretty sure... I went the very first year that they were doing it. Oh, really? Like, not ever, but like the tram tour or ever? I want to say the first year they were doing the Halloween haunt. I don't know if that's... Because I, I feel like they were been doing that since the 70s. Are you sure? Okay, well, maybe I'm wrong. Then it was, I think the first year they uh, were doing... Maybe I doing forgot the, you were alive in the 70s. I had mutton chops, baby. I was grooving. <laughs> but I feel like I went maybe the first year they were maybe doing the tram thing. And it was, uh, I, I remember thinking that they were just going to drop us off and then leave us there and we'd have to work our way back. <laughs> like Steven Spielberg, like you've just said, up shop in an office yeah, and you yeah, start yeah. working there. <laughs> I moved into room 12 of Bates Motel. Is this normal? <laughs> the shower's not quite right. But yeah, no, it's it's a, it's being on the back lot for that in particular, walking by the Psycho House is like amazing. Like not just the Psycho thing, but you walk through like the destroyed airplane set. Right. Like walking around on these sets was so cool yeah. and there's stuff scaring you there. Spoiler alert, you might jump out of your skin. That was really cool. We did the Halloween maze, which was really cool. Dying to do that one. We did the Killer Clowns from Out of Space, which was really cool. Mm. The best one I think that we got to do was the Haunted Hotel, Universal Horror Hotel, oh, yeah. which was because it was actually in the space that the Walking Dead maze oh, normally right. is in or used to be in. So it's almost kind of pre-designed for a maze. Oh, cool. So okay. it kind of worked a little bit better. But there was a giant guy walking around on stilts that looked like a crow, which I, I could have followed him around all night. He was so cool. <laughs> I had so many questions about birds. Were you, are you looking for the big tree too? What's the difference between you and a raven? <laughs> I kept pull, like pulling at his... Well, at his, his Listen uh, here, I'm talking to you, son. <laughs> pulling at the hem of his garment. <laughs> sir, sir, sir. I, bird feet at him. I... <laughs> Follow me, follow, follow me. me. Come on, come on. Uh, I got a butterbeer, uh, but the if you can afford it, which you which you can't. I know you're, li- you're listening to us. You can't afford yeah. this. But if you can get the express, the pass. express pass, I recommend doing it because the lines were so long. I didn't get to go on three of the mazes. Jeez. I didn't get to go on any rides. Yeah. And I was there till like one forty-five in the morning and they close at two. So like there was no way that I could have done it all. It's very cool. It's all very well done. I think it would be better without the lines. We tried, I was telling you, we tried, attempted to upgrade, like to see, like we bought our tickets because we got it, like we went early. So it was like $75 a ticket, which was pretty cheap for Halloween Horror Nights. And I thought like, maybe if it's like $20 to upgrade, we can just do it. And I went into, first off, I was holding, I told Melissa, as they all say, hold my butter beer. And I made her hold it and I left her in like the clown scare zone. <laughs> so as I was Signs in there. all around her saying clown scare zone. Please don't leave your significant other we're unattended. Allowed, we're allowed to pull your hair if you stand in this one yeah. place. If, you, if you're holding a butter beer in each hand, we get to pants you. <laughs> so I went in and I was like, so how much is it to upgrade and he's like, it's uh, it's ninety nine dollars, and I was like, so twenty dollars, so twenty dollars on top, and he's like, yeah, no, ninety nine dollars on top. It turned into Who's speaking of Universal, it yeah. was like an Abaddon Costello thing for like four exchanges <laughs> of like ninety nine more. Yeah, as Melissa's having her head sawed off by a. <laughs> By a pig man outside. Someone's painting clown makeup on her. I gotta go quick. She's almost full clown. <laughs> but yeah, it's it was a ridiculous amount. And that was the discounted price for after 11 p.m. to upgrade. It's a lot of fun, but it's very crowded. And if you, yeah, I, I recommend. The yeah, you just tell me how long you waited in line was uh, atrocious. The line for the 
scarecrow thing, which we didn't get to do, was two and a half hours Jesus. for the scare for the the scare. Not even a IP. Yeah. No, no intellectual. No copyrighted. Just a scarecrow. Unless it's uh, the, the IP of is a pearl, then I would gladly go see it. Oh. You're nasty. Oh, I'd love You're to nasty go on boy. A, a trilogy of the X movies. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Cool. I'm glad you went because you. I've known you for a very long time and you used to be so hesitant and resistant to do scare stuff and then you've slowly been working up to this point and I'm glad yeah. that you went. But as we were leaving, I was like, I, I, I never want to do this again. I never <laughs> want to do this again. <laughs> Why'd you make me do this? <laughs> I was worried of like, at what point am I going to ha- have to like get to the hard stuff? Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Like, You're going to pay somebody to mug you and yeah, yeah, walk you through downtown? To get like the feeling of being scared. Like I keep having to up the ante and I'm going to gonna have to go to those things where it's like you have to sign a waiver oh, right, right, uh, right. you're going to be stripped naked we're going to <laughs> molest you and then throw up on your head uh, we have to check your medical records to see if you could handle being like physically shocked yeah, by electricity <laughs> well what did you do in the past month you of know, September honestly I didn't do anything uh, I would like to just take this squared off time to say my teacher for sign graphics the great Ralph Doc Guthrie passed away couple weeks ago and it's a real tragedy that he went i i uh really grew to like him a lot <laughs> i wish he felt the same way yeah. about you from what i hear <laughs> no but he was a very pleasant guy and we, we we did get along as long as uh he wasn't grading my work but he was actually like a really great guy and he he's one of those he was know. like a a, a minor legend yeah. I, not to diminish him but like he was a, a legend amongst a very specific yeah uh skill set in los angeles yeah he's you know been doing this for so long since he was like a very young man it's a, a great loss because he's one of like the older guys who's been doing this for so long and taught so so many people came through his doors and it was the only class in the country right the only Left. curriculum class everything else would be workshops but this mm-hmm. is the last curriculum class that you can go to school and and take and it's it's a real shame that that we lost him and his you know he's he's was part of valley history not just for being part of this class where he would help people who had gotten arrested for doing misdemeanors or stuff and he'd put them into the program and, and change their life and everything. But also like, you know, his dad had worked at, I almost called it Duff Gardens, the Budweiser <laughs> plant with, what's what was it called? <laughs> now, do you, I, now I want to call it Duff Land. It's uh, Bush Gardens. Bush Gardens, Bush Gardens, thank you. He worked at Bush yeah. Gardens. Wait, I was going through all the president. Uh, and he like lived in the valley. Clinton Gardens. <laughs> He lived in the valley. He lived. Uh, his one of his neighbors was Irish McCalla, who played Sheena on TV. No, he passed away, and it's, it's a real tragedy. But it's um, yeah, he wasn't that old, really. He was in his seventies, so he was kind of up there and had some health problems. Yeah, uh, but he he was still you know he was teaching until the pandemic. He was you know doing fine. Well, now he's in the great horror night in the sky, which is what we call that. Yeah, they, they should do a maze of him. Where you have to do charts really yeah, fast yeah. and he's coming around with a red marker. You call that a level L? <laughs> and Greg is just crying in the Oh, corner. God. What are these black Cheetos you're drawing? They're supposed to be straight lines. Let's get into October. Yeah. It's Halloween. Scary, scary. Candy corn. Candy corn. Some people like candy corn. If you listen to Candy is Dandy, you'll see how we feel about it. Uh, but the corn has been candied. <laughs> uh, ravens, they're the same, but now they have slightly different connotation when you see them. The cats are black and the other ones are orange. <laughs> Some of them are striped tabby. Some of them are gray. Their hair is standing straight up. They're looking at the camera with their teeth bared. I trust you've read Legend of Sleepy Hollow. I have read. I've I've lived it. You've lived it. You went there. I've been reading it for the first time because I realized that I, I have never read it. I never sat and read it before. Yeah. And there's no scary things. There's very it little. It's mostly like... Uh, just a teacher being picked on. A teacher being picked on and wanting to hook up and being like, why is this brawn guy kicking my ass? Uh, but like the whole thing is just like, Autumn's nice. 
It's very good. I'm not putting it down, but I'm kind of putting it down. There's very little headless horseman and a lot of like. It, it's not until like the, they mention it, and then yeah. it, it's not till the very end. There's like, what's that up on the hill? Yeah, is that guy have a head or not? Is it? Oh, he's just standing at an angle. It's a funny angle. It, it put me in the mood to like, oh, autumn's nice. I can't wait for autumn because the leaves turn a different color. But as far as like being scared, uh, it hasn't happened yet. That's another thing. I was literally up till three in the morning getting screamed at by various iterations of clowns. So my mind not be as sharp as you're used to, That's but I still fine. got it. <laughs> I still got what it takes. <laughs> I still got line. <laughs> so for Halloween this year, this is one of our looser episodes. This yeah. is one of our movie episodes. We've done LA movies in mm-hmm. general. We've done LA action, action movies. movies. Today we are doing LA horror movies. Now there are a lot of movies that were filmed in LA that don't take place in LA. I'm always looking at you, Haddonfield, which uh-huh. is actually South Pasadena and a little bit of Hollywood. But today we're going to be yeah. horror movies that take place in Los Angeles. And proper. also like ideally what I was looking for was like not just took place in LA, but sort of captured yeah. uh, an idea or a feeling of LA as well. From the movies that I watch, we we I don't want to say we packed them randomly, but you know, you you put like eight movies together and you took yours and I had the remainder, which I didn't, didn't have a problem with. Like the whole list, I was like, yes, 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 yes. And then the movies I watched for this, I you know I wrote a little things. I watched them all pretty much this week. I noticed. If not a theme, then every movie at least mention the one thing, and I'll bring that up at the okay. end. Okay, fame. Money, baby. The housing market. Where's the stars at? Philippe's. Every <laughs> single, if you'll listen. Yeah, if you'll listen closely. To every single movie, uh, you will hear the robots in one of these movies <laughs> say, Philippe's. Philippe's is here. At least for mine, like, I'm going to give you when it was released, yeah. a little synopsis, some filming locations around town, and then just talking about how it's sort of LA. So Yeah, I'll start off with the early, one of the earliest ones I have. So you say that this house... Is haunted. No, 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 no. The house is fine. The house is fine. It's the hill that's haunted. <laughs> the, the hill will get the you. The hill will get it's you. It's like when a shop gets kicked out of business, it's because they don't own the haunted hill that the shop is built on. That's the problem there, real estate. We're going to be talking about <laughs> house on haunted hill, which I wondered if there was more stuff up there. It'd be like, this is the post office on haunted hill. <laughs> the cabana on haunted hill. <laughs> house on haunted hill was released in 1959, directed by the insanely fantastic William Castle, we've talked about before in regards to Roger Corman, starring the the irreplaceably great Vincent Price, Carol Omar, who we know from Spider Baby, Carolyn Craig, yeah, we who we all know her from Spider Baby, and Elisha Cook Jr., who is a fantastic character actor. We'd see in Multis Falcon, and he's in uh, The Killing. So here's the IMDb user submitted story summary. <laughs> you couldn't even write your own summary. I, I was enjoying these because they were so succinct, but if you want mine, I could do it, but it's going to be like, and then uh, there's a fake body, and there's, <laughs> I forget why the acid's there, but. Well, I also tried to not have spoilers in yeah. anything. In ca- I mean, it's not, you know, like, no spoilers on this 70 year old movie <laughs> yeah. starring Vincent Price, yeah. but. I'd, ha- I'd hate to spoil Bucket of Blood for you. <laughs> there's a bucket at the end, <laughs> but I don't know what's in it. Because it's black and white, it could be molasses. <laughs> <laughs> Eccentric millionaire Frederick Loren and his fourth wife, Annabelle, have invited five people to the house on a haunted hill for a haunted house party. Whoever will stay- a haunted hill party. Yeah, haunted please. hill party, yeah. Whoever will stay in the house for one night will earn $10,000 each. As the night progresses, all the guests are trapped inside it's the like house- like three with- months rent. Welcome to LA. 
That should be in a newer version yeah. of like, oh, we'll pay your rent for a month. Oh my, <laughs> like people are like, women are crying because it's all I've ever wanted. $10,000, that's three months of rent or one trip to the dentist. As the night progresses, all of the guests are trapped inside the house with ghosts, murders, and other terrors. Uh, it's sort of, as I was watching it, I watched it this morning. It's sort of like if you mixed the haunting of Hill House or is it The Haunting? I forgot what it's originally called. Well, the movie, The Haunting, based on a Shirley Jackson apple. If you mix The Haunting with Agatha Christie, we're like, we're all trapped in here with a murder. Like, that's what you get was House on Haunted Hill. <laughs> the naming of that is, while I know The House on Haunted Hill better than I know the other ones yeah. that sound like it, just the idea that there's so many things with such a similar name is very confusing it's, to me. I, I'm positive that William Castle is like, if we make it sound like other yeah, stuff, yeah. people will get tricked into coming. If we make it sound like LA Weekly, maybe people will click on it. Who would do that, though? Like, what kind of grifters, awful grifters would do that? From the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, carnies. <laughs> Former carnies. Former or carnies. at least children of carnies. <laughs> a sucker is downloaded every day. <laughs> the sucker leaves a five-star review every day. Famously, the house of the house on Haunted Hill is an Ennis house, 2607 Glenhour Avenue in Los Feliz. It was a, a Franklin Lloyd Wright house. In Franklin? I, maybe that's his full No, name. no, no. Sorry. Um, Frank Lloyd Wright. Sorry. Frank Lloyd Wright. Franklin Lloyd Wright. For some reason, I thought it was the Griffith Observatory. Is there any part of it that takes place on the Griffith Observatory? No, you're thinking of Rebel with <laughs> I'm thinking of Bowfinger. Which is, uh, everybody in that movie is now a ghost. Uh, I was thinking of Chubby Rain <laughs> within Bowfinger. So it's the Ennis house, which is up the road from both the Acker Mansion- road with a rubber <laughs> up your road with a rubber uh tire up the road with a car that's been towed <laughs> that's the rhyme you're looking for uh Toe on it. <laughs> so the ennis house is up on glendower the same street that'll lead to or formerly the acker mansion right. for sacraments home of horrors which is gone sadly <laughs> gone now it's also at the bottom of the hill is the uh los feliz murder mansion which is in around that same that's time. a weird little area yeah in 1950 there was a dentist killed his wife and attacked his daughter and they, they couldn't sell it for many years this is an iconic like vincent price william castle joint and the film is perhaps best known for the promotional gimmick used in the film's original theatrical release called the emerjo in some theaters that show the film exhibitors rigged an elaborate pulley system near the theater screen which allowed a plastic skeleton to be flown over the audience <laughs> and the movie opens with a bunch of screams and Carolyn Craig in the movie throughout is like she keeps running in like there's like a, a head and like a spooky stuff and a woman floating out the window so she's like screaming at the top of her lungs so I guess that was part and of the, the and at the same time there's a skeleton flying, flying around <laughs> William Castle also known for the tingler which he'd have a seat with a, like a little buzzer and when the tingler was whatever and like he's actively trying to get participants in the theater to react yeah, to the that movie, was which just, is speaking of a great carny trick <laughs> He is such a carny. Like between him and um, Art Carney, Art Carney, Todd Browning. Todd. Between him and Todd Browning, Todd Browning was the actual carny. But William Castle is like the he's the carny. He's like, P.T. Barnum. Like he's a cut above exactly. a carny. He's shaved as much as bought a suit, and he's like, oh, this guy. He's what's his name from Nightmare Alley? I don't eat chicken heads anymore. <laughs> I eat chicken wings. Is he's licking stuff off his fingers. <laughs> this is just like a fun, because it only takes place in one location. They're not running around the streets. It's not like an LA movie, but the Ennis house is such like an iconic LA. Yeah. Home. And, and it's sort because the Ennis house has a sort of haunted reputation maybe, which right. it, as far as I'm aware is not, but I feel like it comes from the house on haunted Hill. Like yeah. It's, it's it, whenever it's in movies, it's never 
the home of a good person. <laughs> <laughs> it's never like an enjoyable little like cozy place. Yeah. Like there's no rocking chairs inside of it. <laughs> it's where Terry Silver lives in Karate Kid Three. Oh my God, does he really? Yeah, he does. It's the house of like an evil or scary person happening, and I feel like it stems from yeah, probably from House, house on, on, on a Hill. hill. It's, it is like a spooky house on a hill that you can see from a lot of different points of Los Feliz. Yeah, so the movie the more perfect than- decoy for the murder mansion. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the real scary stuff's. I'm at. gonna hide in this little mansion right under the. In his house, and it's totally innocent. Why is it directed around Christmas in June? Instead of the city influencing the movie, the movie movie has influenced the house. So when you look at the house and you've seen House on a Hill, it harkens back to the movie instead of the other way around. Art didn't imitate life. Life, art, movie finds a way. (laughs) Women inherits the earth. Life, art, carny. (laughs) That's my eat, pray, love. Yeah, that that's what I want. Order from Etsy to go in my kitchen above my all my wine live, bottles. Love, love, yeah. yeah. If there isn't wine in here, I'm gonna kill somebody. That's what that's what my Etsy stuff says. I'm gonna murder my whole family in their sleep if I don't <laughs> if my kid drank the last cup of coffee, I swear to God I'll deport it. <laughs> it's a list of all the family annihilators right over the wine that says, I'm the next one if this wine is empty. My next two are a double feature. Okay, so let's do it. I watched one of these for the first time all the way through last night, and I remembered why I could never make it through it. We're going to talk about a double feature. It is what I call the West Coast Beatnik double feature, oh, okay. Bucket of Blood from 1959 and Night Tide from 1961. Okay, neither of these I have seen. And by the way, talking about the research, like I love the research for these movies episodes because I'm just watching movies and scribbling on a little notepad in the mostly darkness. Like, I believe he just drove by Clifton's. <laughs> yeah, it's like going frame by frame with Ada and being like, what's that cross street say? What's that sign in the back? <laughs> enhance, Ada, enhance. <laughs> Bucket of Blood was directed by Roger Corman in 1959 and starring Dick Miller, who we love, and Barbara Morris. The IMDb user submitted story summary is, Walter Paisley, a nerdy busboy at a bohemian cafe, is jealous of the talent and popularity of its various artistic regulars. But after accidentally killing his landlady's cat and covering the body in plaster to hide the evidence, he's acclaimed as a brilliant sculptor, but his newfound mm. friends want to see more of his work. This sounds really familiar. I described it in the Roger Corman episode before, oh, okay. but you might have seen it. It's it's like one of those kind of freebie movies that you get in a pack of like yeah. 10 horror classics for $2. It, Bucket <laughs> of Blood, Night of Living Dead, House on Haunted yeah. Hill. Anything that's passed into the public domain. Dimension 13. Yeah, exactly. This was mostly- Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. <laughs> this one is one of my favorites. It's really silly and, and Dick Miller is great. It's got like such a great West Coast. Is Dick beat Miller the pers- our new Patreon person? Yeah, Dick Miller. <laughs> RD, a real Dick Miller. It's the real Dick Miller, in case you were wondering about another <laughs> Dick Miller. It's mostly interiors, but it's just got the feel of like, I think they run around maybe the beach for like a little bit, but it's just got great like California beatnik vibes, which I like a lot and I've always wanted to see more of. And I think I watched Gidget thinking it was going to be more of that. And it was very little, but I still love I ended up loving I, I'm here for Gidget now. Come for the bucket of blood, stay for the Gidget. <laughs> Night Tide from 1961, directed by Curtis Harrington, starring a very very young Dennis Hopper, Linda Lawson, and Marjorie Cameron. Does that name ring a bell? No. We'll get back to her. Is she a Patreon person? Yeah, she's, uh, I hope not. So here's the IMDb user submitted story summary. On leave in a shoreside town, which is Santa Monica, Johnny becomes interested in a young, dark-haired woman. They meet, and he learns that she plays a mermaid in the local carnival on the Santa Monica Pier. After strange occurrences, Johnny begins to believe that she may actually be a real mermaid that habitually <laughs> kills during the cycle of the full moon. That's fun. It could be more fun. I could never make it too far because I don't like Dennis Hopper's character at all. Like from the get go, he's like a really in general, in general, I find it hard to like Dennis Hopper when he's supposed to be like the romantic lead uh, and not just (laughs) like like, in blue velvet. 
like in Blue Velvet, like in Apocalypse Now. But he uh, is such a mix of like horny and corny that now, it, now we're again talking about my Etsy signs. <laughs> That's my Halloween sign. Just like following a woman you met at a cafe, like you're not gonna invite me inside. I'd like to see you again. Like, dude, just like stop. Like uh, you're it, being gross. Sixties romantic. <laughs> it's sixties romantic. This movie gives you. It, there are a couple moments that are genuinely creepy atmospheric scary but the rest of it's uh, not that great but people will die for this movie and it's very strange uh, you get so much though of venice and santa monica exteriors you get the pier you get them running around the canals you see not so much of the the deeper canals but the, the bridges that lead to the canals you can right. kind of tell they're by the canals they they cross a grand canal and carroll canal at some point uh, you get a lot of the like beachside hotels what's the famous one where synanon was at oh um it used to be the like national guard armory or something, something i forget like what that. it's called now but, but yeah. it, you, you synanon hotel that's it. It's plenty of room at the Cinnamon <laughs> Hotel. But lots of shots of the pier and the carnival rides and all that. And it's a fun movie if, if, if you're into that. I think that's so cool that there is a an L.A. horror movie that utilizes the water. Yeah, me too. Because so much of a part of L.A. is the water. Mm-hmm. And not so much, but like a big part of L.A. The beaches and the ports yeah. is a huge part of L.A. Mm-hmm. And whenever it's rep like there's there's not really anything about ports uh-huh. like there's barely like dock workers and stuff like uh i could have been a contender what's that movie oh, called on the, on the waterfront like that sort of thing could happen yeah like that sort of movie could take place in san pedro or something yeah. and it doesn't and all of the like beach movies is all like point break or yeah. like surfing stuff but like there's no gritty or horror stuff about which is so underutilized. Yeah, and it, this one really made me want there to be a really good like spooky, yeah, like, like woman from the sea, and Redondo Pier or something. Yeah. Or a Little Mermaid, that a live action that happens in Santa Monica. <laughs> we have Dead Man's Island. We have something called Terminal Island. I know. Like, yeah, we have all these spaces, tur- and it has a prison on it. We even have a haunted lighthouse. Two of them, <laughs> and people keep dying there. Yeah, and we still don't have any good horror movies from like the, our coast. Okay, I know Aaron Sorkin <laughs> is a avid listener to this show the scariest writer i know scariest, yeah write a story that takes place on terminal island the prison is haunted by the ghosts of the <laughs> japanese residents who were kicked out during world war ii something's there something's there and that's what the movie's called instead of walk and talks it's like a they have to swim swimming gaps yeah swim <laughs> swimming gasps well, oh yeah, that's right you get so much of the hippodrome and the merry-go-round oh, cool. she lives in the upper room on top of the the merry-go-round at the hippodrome so you get that's to see inaccurate greg so you see a room up there he like that's walks up the stairs cool. and it's it's great and you see the old merry-go-round they spend a lot of time at the hippodrome it's really neat uh, you see a lot of like that not 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 the pier the but strand. the boardwalk the strand or whatever it's yeah. called you get a lot of like that old business it's a lot of old hand-painted signs that's it's Really so great. you know now that we're talking about it, it makes me angry that there aren't more like yeah. lighthouse movies like thing from the ocean movies that take place in LA. even like the synanon building where a cult happened like that's haunted hotel yeah clementine clem uh clemente clem not oh, clementine yeah, yeah, uh, right. <laughs> there's no place called clement clementine san clementine look aaron sorkin i'm looking at you before we talk about Marjorie Cameron, let's talk a little bit. Okay, the Jazz Beatnik Club, this is how they're related. It starts in a, like a jazz club and uh, there's beatniks like snapping their fingers or whatever. <laughs> that was apparently online. I found out it was a Blue Grotto coffee house, which was on Fairfax near Santa Monica Boulevard. So not really near the beach. 
okay. but they made it seem like way. The beautiful Art Deco Venice Police Station at the end is 685 Venice Boulevard. It's still there, and it's now the headquarters for Sparks. S P A R C. Yeah, we talked about that. I think that's the that's the building from Assault on Precinct 13. Oh, right. That's, the, that's Precinct 13. That's well, actually, right. as we learned, there is no Precinct 13. No. But that's the building from Precinct that's 13. That's right. I didn't th- I didn't make that connection. But yeah, so that when they come out at the end of that movie, it's Spark. It's the beginning of Assault on Precinct 13. <laughs> a car pulls up. A little girl's buying ice cream. <laughs> the Sea Witch, who's played by Marjorie Cameron, also he's following her. Sea Witch sounds so good right now. It sounds now. so good. He's following her around the canals and stuff, and she leads to this like kind of I gotta see this. This sounds so good. Like it's a- on canopy. Oh, yeah. my my good, my pandemic buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she leads him to this area where there's like a, a little girl who this looks like disenfranchised. She looks like they live in a little shack. And then there's an abandoned building. And I think it, it might be like the old bathhouse or the La Monica ballroom, like an abandoned giant grand yeah, building. One of the ones that whichever one didn't burn down. Yeah, exactly. Whichever one was just destroyed by surfers. <laughs> Rabid surfers. <laughs> <laughs> so the biggest thing about the movie to me, other than being maybe the only Santa Monica Venice horror movie, is the inclusion of Mark. Marjorie Cameron, okay, who, who played the Sea person? Witch. If you don't know that name, let me refresh your memory. Marjorie Cameron is an artist and a cultist who was married to both Jack Parsons and Al Ron Hubbard. Oh my God, are you kidding she me? She briefly worked with Kenneth Anger and did a short experimental film with Curtis Harrington called The Wormwood Star, which is how she ended up in this movie. What? Marjorie Cameron, or Cameron, was Parsons' elemental woman that yeah. he and Hubbard had summoned in the early stages of sex magic rituals called the Babylon Working. Oh She's God. the Babylon. That photo we have of their goofy dress Dressed up, that's the woman. She's the whore of Babylon. Yeah. Now I got, I got, I got to see this yeah. movie, boy, boy. Does this one that is steeped in L.A. lore and yeah. out of that? Ooh. Other than that, look, I gotta get my library card number <laughs> and sign back into Canopy. Now that I'm talking about him, it does sound really good. You just have to deal with Dennis Hopper being yeah. really horny. Yeah, they're, they're, I deal with that on a daily basis. <laughs> Every time I put anything with Dennis Hopper on, I'm haunted by Dennis Hopper. But yeah, I, we should probably say where people can find these. Movies. Oh right, what right, about right. Bucket of Blood and House on Haunted Hill are both free on YouTube, I think. Oh, okay. Also, probably Tubi. Tubi is like free. Just got to deal with commercials, but the commercials are fun. Okay. So you want to do my first yes, one? Let's do it. I'll tell you the title and then I have my little, my little bone modes. <laughs> my first movie is Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall. Okay. I remember briefly watching Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall was actually on my other pandemic buddies service, Hoopla. Oh, you can Hoopla. watch uh, okay. Chopping Mall on Hoopla. I think I'll do that tonight. Cowabunga and welcome to the eighties. <laughs> so this is my synopsis. Okay. Uh, a mall that I wrote this. There wasn't, it <laughs> wasn't a, <laughs> I mailed this to myself also. So no one on, I, IMDb can pilfer it. A mall in Los Angeles has just unveiled a new security system for the building after hours that involves all the exits sealing shut Star Wars doorway style. From 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. and the stores are patrolled by three roving robots that have the ability to stun and incapacitate (laughs) any intruders until the police show up. Meanwhile, a few teenage couples uh, in their 30s throw themselves a party slash orgy in one of the furniture stores after hours, either not realizing or caring that they've been shut in for the night. A storm is brewing outside and the mall is struck by lightning, which instead of turning them into lovable short circuit robots that tell anti-Semitic jokes to prove they're human, turn the robots into murderers, killing anything they see and ending each kill with, thank you, have a nice day. The robots use their killer claws, their tasers and lasers to puncture, slice and blow up the heads of these really horny teens while they try to fight them off and survive until sunrise. Have you ever seen this? I feel like I'm mostly in glimpses like right when I was getting into horror. So not not well enough. This is one of those horror movies that are like borderline pornography. Right. Like there's a lot of 80s um, nipples. Like right, man, right, right. man and man. I now pronounce you man and woman nipple. <laughs> 
so this was released November 14th, 1986, after Halloween, which is weird. Mm, yeah, that makes sense, because Halloween is... <laughs> well, it's a, it's a Thanksgiving movie, first and foremost. Oh, you mean, I, I thought you were talking about Halloween, the film. I'm like, no, yeah. no, 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 Halloween, the, the, holiday. the holiday that inspired the, the movie. Yeah. Uh, this is a Roger Corman movie. Oh, cool. His name is not on it, because it's his wife, Julie, who handled it. Oh, cool. But, Julie it, but it was... A, An AIP or whatever? He was, yeah, he was apparently there all the time, Roger Corman. Well, it could have been AIP. It must have been, like, what, New Line or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Sorry. It's, it's I'm, Chopping I'm, Mall Industries. I, I think this was a, um, I believe this was a Miramax picture. Uh, <laughs> there was certainly enough horniness in it for it to be a Miramax. Uh, filming locations. Yeah. The mall exterior is the Beverly Center, but the filming inside was the Sherman Oaks Galleria because okay. it was cheaper. Uh, so they would shoot during nights in the Galleria. Yeah. So now talking about just like the feel of this movie, it is like prime 80s LA mall yeah. captured in amber. It's so funny that Anytime in the 80s they wanted to talk about a mall, it had to be like a valley. It was, LA the, mall. It was the Sherman, it was always the Sherman Oaks Galleria because it was like like the mall they recreated for the last or second to last season of Stranger Things is like supposed to be the Sherman Oaks <laughs> Galleria. But like that is like when you think of an 80s mall, it was the Sherman Oaks Galleria and you see all this. I mean, they have like fake stores in there, but like you see what it looked like. Like it really is captured in amber if you wanted to know what a mall in the 80s looked like in LA. So there's lots of people saying bitchin', bodacious, and to the max. Uh, at the end of the day, it's it's an 80s teenage mall love story, but it's also, I, I can't read too much into this movie because it's called Chopping Mall and I, I you heard the plot, yeah. but there's definitely some comment being made or at least the faint inspiration of a comment to be made on mall culture in the 80s, which was, of course, a very big part of LA. The inherent concept must also mean something of like people being stuck and killed in a mall. Like yeah. there's got to be something they're. I mean, trying like to whatever say. they're trying to say was already said in Dawn of the Dead. So any, anything after that point, sort of like it's certainly an inferior. It. Like it's Dawn of the Dead, but with robots instead, and a lot more nipples, men and women, Teens. and. and teens. Um, but also in the establishing shots of the mall during normal business hours, everyone kind of looks miserable. Like everyone's like annoyed or tired or angry. There's also some kind of RoboCop dangers of security meeting technology thing going right. on, which was hanging in the air around LA at the time because this was like the heart of the Daryl Gates LAPD era. So like there was some sort of anti-cop thing. Being yeah. There, one of my movies is incredibly anti-cop. Like they're like a military force used to just destroy good things. Is it RoboCop? Oh, crap. Um, <laughs> it also captures the fun of what I have always imagined being in a mall after hours is like, uh, which was a big fantasy of mine growing yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, for sure. This this version had a lot more nipples than in my <laughs> fantasy. My fantasy is quite wholesome. I'm mostly just at the Orange Julius. Yeah, I, ju I mostly just have quarters and I'm putting in a gumball machine and no one's bothering me. <laughs> yeah. The security guard is insane. Please save some for the kids younger than you. <laughs> I read a thing saying that the robots represent like the enforcement of workers being kept on the job and stopped from fooling around. Sure. And just some random thoughts about it. The heads of the robots look like the chemosphere house in, <laughs> okay, the, yeah. uh, in Studio City. That's funny. Uh, there's a scene where there's a girl's locker room in the mall where all the female employees walk around naked or in underwear, which seems inaccurate. And also nobody ever actually gets chopped. <laughs> Not a single I thought the mall chopped people. I'm confused. <laughs> it was it was capitalism that got chopped that night. But yeah, there's no, like, there's stabs, there's electrocution, there's explosion, there's no chop. Not a single chop. There's an axe store, a store that sells only axes and nobody And they was, look at it and go, huh, huh, and then wink at the camera. And then the robot says, it's a living. 
No, what, what were you saying? Uh, no, that's better. Okay. I'd like to talk about my 80s mall horror movie, mm-hmm. Night of the Comet from okay. 1984. A very good year. A very rich year. It was a very good year. <laughs> this is such... Bro, we're in the room with Ringo the dog. He woke yeah. up when I sang Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I think he might be the... Uh, at the very least, he's the reincarnation of Dean Martin. <laughs> I told you, you're a Leonard Cohen dog. You only get up for Leonard Cohen songs. You don't Holly. get up for Frankie. Louia? Night of the Comet. Have you ever seen Night of the Comet? I have seen Night of the Comet, but I watched it on, I believe it was YouTube and it was like a really bad transfer, but yes. I would like to see it with the 4K restoration. I want to see it in the theater with the crowd. A live 80s <laughs> yeah, music At playing. the American Cinematheque. Yeah, yeah. IMDb user submitted story. <laughs> it's the first comet. Coward. It's the first comet to buzz our planet Earth in 65 million years and everyone seems to be celebrating its imminent arrival. Everyone except Regina Belmont and her younger sister, Samantha, two valley girls who can more about fashion trends than celestial phenomenon. But upon daybreak, when the girls discover that they are only residents of Los Angeles who the comet hasn't vaporized or turned into a zombie, they would do what all Valley girls do. They go shopping. (laughs) However, with the help... Play the beginning of that weekend song. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, that Rod Stewart song. One of the more effective uses of Cindy Lauper ever was in this movie. (laughs) If it's not the Goonies, it's gotta be this. Cindy Lauper... It's similar with Chopping Mall. Like, she doesn't lop anybody's heads off. <laughs> chopping Mall doesn't chop anybody. Cinder Lopper does not lop your head off. I would go to a lopping mall, though. <laughs> the weekend should not have been the musician <laughs> that had the Halloween maze. It should have been Cindy, Cindy Lopper. A lopping mall. <laughs> That's her pop up <laughs> or lop up. <laughs> That's also very good. The lop up. However, with the help of it, we're not done with the shopping thing. However, with the help of a friendly truck driver, look at the way my son's looking at you. I know. Franco. You sing Frank Sinatra to him once. He's in love with you for life. You're the moon over, even though it's a D Martin song. <laughs> You're the moon over my hammy. <laughs> You're the big pizza pie. <laughs> However, with the help of a friendly truck driver, the girls save earth and escape from a flesh eating zombies and blood seeking scientists in hot pursuit. This was directed by Tom Eberhardt, who also did Captain Ron and wrote the sequel to Honey, I Shrug the Kids. <laughs> It's starring Catherine, Mary Stewart, and Kelly Maroney, who's fantastic as the two sisters from the Valley. A very Valley Girl movie. It's it feels like a direct response to Valley Girl because there's like a Valley Girl poster in the back, and then oh. someone also like something. There's another reference to Valley Girl, the movie, in there as well, which is already a response to. I feel like a pre-response to clueless or something yeah it's a pre-response to bill and ted the alray theater is on wilshire the famous old theater is where regina works and they go to like a radio station yeah they go to a radio station and start broadcasting which is how the scientists here jeffrey lewis is like the main scientist and oh god that great horror actor or great oh oh it's charles dickens i forgot that great character actor (laughs) so they go to the alray theater that's where she is in the, the projection room which is made of steel which is how she survives her little sister goes to a shed to get away from their mom who's Punches her in the face at the beginning of the movie, <laughs> which is how she survives. Spends the entire movie dressed like a cheerleader, which is great. The girls live in Porter Ranch. Oh, do they? Yeah. 19174 Donier Place, which is right off Barrymore near Tampa in Porter Ranch. Okay. I feel like that's near E.T. Park. The mall is Sherman Oaks Galleria. Of course it is. Of course it of is. Course it is. Uh, there are plenty of shots of downtown LA skyscrapers and industrial LA, but it's a lot of like shots from them because I'm sure I mean, they run around the streets too. So I must've filmed really early before people were, or I can't imagine they had the budget in night of the comet to square right. off parts of downtown yeah, they LA. Had to, well, they had to film it during the night of the comet, but they spent a lot of time downtown, right? It's not, it's mostly, it's, yeah, it, they don't spend a lot of time downtown. There's just a lot of shots of downtown to show like, okay. this is the entire city that's right. been, the movie ends in downtown on hope street. Like you could see the triangular tower 
tower of the library. So they're Hope Street, right? The Bank of America oh, plaza there. Yeah. 333 Hope Street is where the movie ends. I love the end with the license plate. Spoiler. What does the license plate say? I don't remember. Out of time? It says out of time. It's Marty McFly. At the beginning, okay, this is a spoiler, so don't listen if you want to see that comment. Yeah. Enjoy yeah, the, hit, Warm up that 15 minute button. 15 minute, 15 second. For our show, it's normally a 15, 15 minute, minute button that you need. The license plate of the guy who randomly comes and picks up the little sister's DMK. DMK was the, the high score of the video game at the oh, right, the yeah. sister at the beginning is trying that. to beat a high score. It's like who's DMK? And she's so mad at the end of the movie. It turned out to be him. <laughs> well, I, uh, my favorite initials are RDM, our new <laughs> Patreon person. You can support us on Patreon, patreoncom Minkley. I'm trying to wonder, like it's obviously a thing about consumerism, but I think it's just like Valley Girls. Oh, what I'm trying to figure out is how are Valley Girls so much different than other suburban girls in America, and they just have more fun. <laughs> They're just richer and they just have more fun. They just look better doing it. Well, it, I never closely studied the phenomena of the Valley Girl, yeah. which to be honest, growing up as a Valley boy, yes. whatever that is in that movie and in the movie Valley Girl, like that did not exist no. when I was growing up. Uh, and I will appreciate you not to uh, call my sisters Valley Girls. They're Valley women. I don't know where that sort of stereotype or like archetype even came from, but it sort of influenced just teenage girls girls attitude or like how teenage girls it was were sort of like an, a rich airhead pretty girl yeah but like that it feels like there's something about the valley I, you know i honestly i don't know i have no idea what they're trying to get at. this is this whole own episode of trying to figure out where did the valley girl i know a perfect podcast who would figure it out for us but whatever like these two girls are incredibly likable kelly maroney who plays little sister is fantastic and she has such great like she's just a lot of fun i feel like whenever i write characters that are girls it always sort of comes out like the little sister from night of the comment because she's kind of dumb and kind of funny but like more dumb than funny so you think women are dumb and funny you're wrong on two accounts, What Greg. makes them funny? Is that a dumb... <laughs> There's no. two things I feel strongly about with women, is that they're very smart and not funny. <laughs> I'm the confusing feminist. Aristotle said, every story is about this particular person. Not all Valley Girls are like this, but this particular Valley Girl is like this. <laughs> well, my favorite Valley Girl character in a Charles Dickens story, <laughs> this is a good post-apocalypse LA movie. It is, Of yeah. which there are not a lot. There's this, one of the versions of Omega, Omega Man, Man, and I guess Terminator, kind of. Kind of, Escape from LA is another maybe one. Yeah, but I'm talking about like empty. Oh like, yeah, there em- is nobody in LA except for like three people. Yeah, and yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. Mega Man. This I, I can't. I don't know what else. There's probably another one I'm not thinking of. But yeah, that, I feel like that's another underutilized, much like Oceanside horror. <laughs> uh, it's an underutilized yeah. trope in LA horror movies. It must be really hard to have the money to square yeah, off a big piece of land. Like, okay, nobody. <laughs> the reason is because it's impossible to shut down the 405 for that long. Yeah, it, yeah. The, the city would literally revolt. Uh, you want to get to my next yeah, one? I'm taking us out of the 80s for a little bit. Okay. My intro thing is leading straight into the title for this one. So, Witch, Brew, Arts and, Mac and Cheese Brand, Verk. These are all crafts that we know and love. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> but right, I've got a few more. You want but right now we're focusing simply on the craft. Okay. The craft. For a while, 
I feel th- there was probably like middle school and a little bit of high school where I would come home and watch, watch the, the same movie every day for a while. And that was in the rotation of every day yeah. for maybe a month. I'd come home and watch the craft <laughs> while I did homework and eight. I don't want to be picked on by the other girls at school anymore. <laughs> uh, you and Which Mel- I was picked on by a group of girls. I know you and Melissa both are, were apparently obsessed with this movie. This one released date May 3rd, 1996. 1996. I yep. know. Back when you were 80. <laughs> Written by Peter Filardi and Andrew Fleming. I forgot to put... Uh, who wrote the chopping mall and all that? But yeah. did anyone write that? Uh, does anybody take credit for that? <laughs> Written by a killer robot, <laughs> directed by Andrew Fleming. Uh, when a teenage witch who doesn't yet know she's a Sabrina moves to LA, she has a tough time adjusting to her new Catholic high school. That's another thing. Is is you and Melissa both like whenever there's anything Catholic related, I assume you and Melissa both were into it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so she had a tough time adjusting to her new Catholic high school, where literally nobody is nice. Yeah. She is befriended in a way by three other girls who desperately want and quite frankly deserve better lives. <laughs> Two of them in particular deserve a better life. It's kind of even though they themselves are just as mean as the people they want revenge mm-hmm. on. Now, as a coven of four, the girls summon the power of an ancient deity to change their lives and make their enemies pay as they become even worse teenagers than they were before as the power goes to their heads. Yep. Filming locations, LAX. Uh, the house they move into is at 8330 McGrorty Street in Sunland, Tahunga. Uh, the Catholic school is Verdugo Hills High School in Sunland, Tahunga. The magic store was at 5203 Hollywood Boulevard in Thai Town, which is is now a dog hotel. You hear that, Ringo? <laughs> oh, I could say at the place in the craft. Room for one, please. That wasn't the psychic eye shop? No, it, it had... I'll talk about that a little bit, okay. but it had big psychic energy. All right. Psychic eye energy. <laughs> I, oh, by the way, I have... I could see psychic energy. I feel vibes. <laughs> yeah, I put on my special glasses. And, <laughs> Greg, your aura is purple. <laughs> They were at Leo Carrillo State Beach. The party house is at 2232 South California Avenue in Duarte. The apartment the one girl moves into is Harbor Place Tower in Long Beach. Uh, They drive by Clifton's in all its glory a couple times. Is Skeet Ulrich the boyfriend in the movie? Yeah, he is. And he's weirdly good. He's he's, a good actor. Yeah, he's like, because he's sort of like under a spell for most of the movie. Oh, right, yeah. And the way he plays it is so like, everything he says in the back of his eyes almost you can tell like why am i saying that? yeah like he's thinking like what's happening to me and it works really well i mean i've only seen him a handful of stuff but he's great in scream yeah, yeah he's great as billy <laughs> he's so like diet johnny depp but right now you everyone's like oh skeet aldrich because you can't we you can't. can't have johnny depp <laughs> so to start it's refreshing to see a movie about witches in la which is something yes. you normally only see on the east coast like that's always sort of like a salem like yeah you know, boston we like dug that. up the bones of sarah good yeah it's not something you see a witch in la which is weird because we had an official witch of los angeles louise hubner so it's good to see that tradition kind of carried on it also this movie plays into the rampant crystal culture in los angeles <laughs> which isn't Again, like not nearly utilized enough. Like there's there's the psychic eye. There's so many crystal shops and people believing in like pseudo witchcraft sort of things that there isn't a movie that plays into that other than this. But like even like and, and there the, could be another one. Like the crystal thing is it's sort of come down to like a regular person level, right? Quote unquote. It's almost as like I got to get some milk. I got to get some new crystals. Yeah. Like <laughs> there is that culture in LA. And it, that part of it's new, but the crystal culture and just like we came West and we don't need to adhere to those old religions that pe- people leaving England, yeah, all that old East Coast stuff. We're on the West Coast, and we could be new, and we believe in a new thing, and a new God, and a new yeah. energy, and the sun is healthy. And like <laughs> that thing, that is old, and nobody has even 
made a movie about like how yeah. the people who come to California don't believe in an old God. Uh, it's because it feels more like a hippie thing in yeah. LA here when in reality, like if this, a crystal shop in LA, you go in, you're a hippie. A crystal shop in a suburb of Massachusetts, yeah. like you're a witch, like you're a Wiccan pagan. Get out of here. You, you yeah. Get in your car. Get in your car and go to Michael's Arts and Crafts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go down to the Fisherman's Wharf and just drive into the water. But like we said, the psychic eye, the, the store is very much like the psychic eye, which I love. Yeah. yeah. It's just weird that that isn't utilized more. The other big thing that was screaming out to me about this and its relation to LA lore is the Mansons. Because mm. as I was telling you like a week ago after I watched this movie, yeah. the girls in this movie scared me. Like, oh, yeah. I, like, I am afraid of most girls. I <laughs> Especially teenage girls. But these girls, like there's something really sinister about them. Perfect casting for Feruza Balk, who's one yeah, of my yeah, favorite yeah. actresses. And she's, she's just like, yeah, she's frightening. She's got scary face. She's beautiful, but she also has got like scary girl face. She's got a scary face. Like at one point, a Skeet Ulrich, is that his name? Yeah, Skeet Ulrich. Oh, what's the name of that really bad German director? Oh. <laughs> Lars or No, no not it's, Lars Ulrich. Oh, Lars Ulrich is a drummer from Metallica yeah. we all hate. Ul Bowler? Ul yeah, Yui Bowl? Bowl or something. Yeah, something like yeah. that, yeah. Uh, which one of those was in Scream? Was it <laughs> Lars Ulrich? But but at one point in the movie, he describes her as having a big St. Bernard head. And I was like, what does that mean? And yeah. as I was thinking about the movie for like a week, I was like, yeah, she's got a big St. Bernard head. Like her mouth is so big and yeah. like her features are so big, like a St. Bernard. In a movie where like a little kid is possessed and he starts drawing like demons, she looks like a demon drawing. Yes, but yes, like yes. a really beautiful She looks one. like the thing that Jack Skellington puts in the house and it like flies through the halls yes. trying to kill the kid. Uh, that was Veruca Bal- or Veruca Salt or whatever her name is. <laughs> to recap, I'm afraid of teenage girls, but these <laughs> girls, there's such a Manson energy about her in particular, and they seem genuinely willing to hurt and or kill people, and they're like really scary. Yeah. Like it's beyond just like a mean girl in high school. Like I feel like they would kill their classmates right, right, and right. it's frightening there there are some movies that have school shooter energy and you never yeah, see a gun i didn't want to say that yeah. but, uh, but boy did greg go there <laughs> but like pre-columbine but like we're gonna show everybody that yeah, we're yeah. serious like that's like, scary um, what's that movie where uh like james not james spader what's the other one the one who's like jack nicholson oh christian slater, christian slater. Oh. what movie is that where he's going to bomb the school oh, heathers heathers with yeah. one on a writer yeah heathers has i mean it, it is yeah it is but like it's funny i guess <laughs> the movie it's it's kind of fun and hippie like at first but it quickly goes too far and people start dying like it's it's that's an LA cult story to the T like it's yeah. kind of a hippie thing at first and then you want me to kill this person who's address you pulled because yeah. you think one of the turtles used to live there or something. <laughs> You're mad at Brian Wilson, so you want to attack Terry Mulcher? <laughs> a few other random notes I have. It starts with a really rainy LA, which I love. Oh, yeah. It has every rich person's worst nightmare in LA of a homeless person showing up at their front door and they freak out. Like they, I don't even know if he like crosses the threshold. He's just like standing at their door with a snake and he's like, I found this in your backyard. She's like, oh my, oh my God. God. Like that Catherine Tate sketch where he's like, hey, we gotta get an oil change. What's he saying, mommy? <laughs> it represents LA as kind of crummy and then they escape to like the pristine wilderness that seems to be Simi Valley. <laughs> One of the girls inherits $175,000 and her and her mom act as if they'll never have to work again, which is a very different time in LA. Yeah. Also maybe the best representation I've ever seen of someone walking down Hollywood Boulevard at oh, night. Like it's funny. just a ton of people with just the right mix of like tourism and like 
I call them um, fun things are happening, but also crazy weird yeah. stuff is happening. And the hyper locals, as I call them, like the yeah, like yeah, the yeah. people who like you're not homeless, you're not a tourist, you just like hang here, yeah, and you're all weird. every day, all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Faruza Bavruka Salt uh, went to Pan Pipes Magical Marketplace for research at Hollywood and Coenga oh, yeah? and bought the store after the movie and oh, owned wow, it until really? 2001. A good LA witch movie, of which there are few. Of which a witch. Yeah, the craft. I was obsessed with the craft for a while. Like it's funny because. Clueless led perfectly into the craft, and I don't know why because they're not the same movie and they don't have the same energy. It's kind of like story wise, it's yeah. kind of parallel when uh, the Clueless gang sends all the snakes to kill all That's the people. That's right, to kill all the kids from the valley because they're from they make the, plane the crash. city. Yeah. <laughs> Go, my army of snakes, kill the valley girls. <laughs> I'm going to drag our asses back to the 80s. Oh, thank God. To talk about, I hadn't seen this since I was a very young man, and now I'm an adult and I watch it and I think, oh, this is. Is this my favorite of his movies? It's it's not, but it's fighting to be. Mm-hmm. John Carpenter's 1988 classic, They Live. Okay. It is so Which good. Which I can't remember if we talked about in the action movie or not. LA I don't think movies. we did. I was a little kid and I knew, I used to call him Roddy Roddy Piper. His name was Rowdy Roddy Piper. He was a wrestler <laughs> I saw as a child at the Coliseum. Uh, and uh, I would have made a big stink about Roddy Roddy Piper. But I feel like we talked about the sunglasses thing. I don't know. But look, it works as an action movie and as a horror it, movie. It is, yeah. So let's, let's examine it from a horror movie perspective. Directed, possibly written by John Carpenter, based on a short story, uh, starring Rowdy Roddy Piper. Roddy Roddy Piper. Roddy Roddy Piper, who is very good. Like, he is very good at being an action guy. He was pretty, like, a, yeah. I mean, at the parts where he's supposed to be kind of like a sad, rundown guy, he was pretty good. Yeah, he, he does a very good, like, lonesome cowboy thing. Yeah, that's the word. Keith David, who's one of my favorite actors of all time. And it's also got, like, the Feruza Balk is preceded by another witchy-looking woman, Meg Foster, who's the woman in They Live, who's got, okay. like, clear blue eyes. The IMDb user submitted a story <laughs> summary, if you've never seen this. Lazy. Nada. A down on his luck construction worker. He's more like a rambler gambler. Like gets off a freight train and yeah. just like looking for work. Goes in a play him office, can't find anything. He goes to a construction site. Like and a, sort a of rucksack like, man. Yeah, rucksack man. I'm gonna go off uh, away from this for a second. He um, meets Frank, who is wearing played by Keith David, who's wearing for a few scenes Lakers colors. Like a, he's got a yellow hard hat and a purple um, like tank top. I'm like, oh, I know what you're doing. <laughs> he's Laker bounding. Yeah. Anyways, Frank helps this guy get to a like a little shanty town where they. It's part of a church. Will they let you like stay in a yeah. camp and then you get fed like a hot meal there's a transmission that's going out saying you're all asleep and they're watching you and he's like what's that about uh anyways the lapd come and destroy all of that in what looks like documentary footage (laughs) oh yeah yeah Yeah. i I remember seeing that and thinking wow is this echo park yeah it uh, we'll get to the location of it which was like no i knew where based on the background where it was and i thought it can't be but it was there Uh through all the events uh, he finds a a box of special sunglasses and wearing them he's able to see the world as it really is (laughs) which by the way so LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, the yeah. magical device. It might as well have been a surfboard. These sunglasses get an upgrade later in the movie, and I thought, oh, I missed the sunglasses. <laughs> uh, wearing them, he's able to see the world as it really is. People being bombarded by media and government with messages like stay asleep, no imagination, submit to authority. And even scarier is that he is able to see some usually normal looking people in ugly alien faces that are called ghouls. Like that's a completely different thing. <laughs> are in charge of massive campaign to keep humans subdued. 
that's the basic plot of the movie. It's very good. It like dares to be like sci-fi in action, but it's it's like it got so much horror elements in yeah. it that it, it really stays the course. I think it's one of the better movies, although a little like didactic, like kind of heavy-handed at times. It's still like a lot of fun because it's got a five-minute and twenty-second <laughs> fight scene. Right I'm so in the glad middle. you clocked it. Oh my god, was that okay. funny? When I first went into that movie, I did not know that was a thing. Yeah, and as I'm watching, I'm like, why is this <laughs> still happening? Every time you think they're gonna help each other up or stop. <laughs> They punch you. The yeah, put on the glasses. <laughs> Five minutes and twenty seconds. Originally, I thought the reason that was because John Carpenter was a, a wrestler. wrestler, so he must have. John Carpenter must have been like, "Oh well, if people are going to come see, use this." It was his first movie. Fans are here to see Rowdy Piper. We better make him get in a fight. But also, like him and Keith David were training and they were enjoying it so much that, like, you know what? Let's just like drag this out. According to IMDb trivia, they were only supposed to fight for maybe like nineteen seconds, and they were like, "No, no, we're having so much fun." But like. It's like WWE yeah, fighting. It's a long, long fight. Parodied, I think, in South Park, like beat for beat for like a fight. They allegedly were actually hitting each other. Like good naturedly, not good naturedly, but they understood like no face, no groin, but like, I'm going to hit you. And the other one's like, I'm going to hit you too. It's so parts of it are an actual fight between two strong men who are ridiculous, gorgeous. <laughs> There's a part where like uh, Roddy Piper's got his top off and he's, I'm like, this, this dude has not been starving on the road. This is not like Neil Cassidy. This is like, this dude's ripped. He's like getting his protein. So the police are an enemy force. Some police get shot. If you're triggered by, mass shooting scenarios don't watch this movie because he walks into a bank and starts shooting people willy-nilly yeah, yeah i remember that yeah so let's get into the locations the area that the homeless camp and the church are at is no longer there but it was roughly 1138 west court street off of temple in downtown near my high school a block away uh, from my high school it's funny it's now they paved the paved the filming location and put up greg's high school <laughs> i think it's a flat athletic field off of Temple now, which is like the field for New Belmont. Like my high school is cat corner to New Belmont. I think their flat athletic field is where the camp was at. They must have like raised the hillside to it or something like that. Meg Foster's character uh, lives in the Hollywood Hills. Her home is at A634 Franklin above the Chateau Marmont and the comedy store. As a kid, I thought it was off of Glendale Boulevard. I believe my mom allowed me to think that and I, uh, <laughs> she owes me an apology. The alley that Nada and Frank fight in is Mercury Court between 7th and 6th and according to a blog, the easiest way to find it it is to go to 645 South Hill Street and the entrance is to the right of the jewelry store. That's where they fight. So bring your favorite sparring partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bring oh, well, go down there. You'll probably find someone to fight. It's pretty easy in downtown right now. <laughs> like Nylacom, there's a lot of shots of just downtown. He's on 7th Street a lot when he's putting on sunglasses. You see the Los Angeles Athletic Club's awning behind him. Uh-huh. A Spring Street is where he gets off the train and everything. This feels like an LA movie. Like It feels like a comment on LA right. culture. It's not just filmed in LA. Yeah, it feels like of all the places for there to be massive campaigns to make you feel bad, the vanity of Los Angeles apparently is being attacked. It's like the same thought process that led to Blade Runner being in LA. Exactly. With all of the Japanese ladies selling you cologne or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a very dis- like pre-dystopia or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> modern dystopia. Modern-, Mo- modern times, which is a dystopia. <laughs> it's its own brand of dystopia. Modern times from 40 years ago, which continues to be a dystopia. In Night of the Comet, the sky turns red because of the comet is radiating everything. I thought, this is just like fire season now. I know. 
this, this is, is just like <laughs> October, November. Oh, well, we should be so lucky to have a red sky. <laughs> that rain will just wash away willy-nilly. <laughs> this is an incredible, I think it's an incredible movie. It's one of John Carpenter's best. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, with like the thing in the Mouth of Madness and Big Trouble in Little China on Halloween and uh, the fog vampire. And... Oh, the fog is another great one. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love They Live and I, They Live, They Laugh, They Love. That's a that's a hard times <laughs> joke. I can't, I can't claim that as my own. <laughs> I was going to make another Etsy reference. <laughs> Let's stay with John Carpenter then. Oh yes, please. Because uh, I, my next movie is Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness is a year before this or after this? Yeah. Uh, this was October 23rd, 1987. A, a year before. Wonder, perfect, perfect release for Halloween. Yeah. Written and directed by John Carpenter. It's a great double feature with They Live because they both feel the same too, not just like years apart, but like texturally they feel quite yeah. similar. Yeah. John Carpenter cannot get enough of LA. It's so crazy. Escape from LA. Yeah, Escape from it, LA. It, he, which is the only movie in that franchise. He seems so enamored enamored and he doesn't use and disgusted disgusted and enamored it must be the thing he doesn't use any like hot spots of LA he doesn't like we're gonna film the Hollywood Hills or anything yeah like he, or like he did for but he doesn't use all the iconography it's just like because right. he, he's so grumpy and cranky <laughs> and he always has something mean to say well look Greg cowabunga and welcome back to the 80s but a more grim 80s this is caca uh, yeah I know when that happened I was like wow that's really funny and then I thought wait Greg always talks about this is Kaka, yeah. uh, which is a guy who doesn't want to go back in the church and he's yelling at his friends, this is Kaka! And then he walks away, Kaka! He repeats it. <laughs> Me and Ada were cracking up. Talk about Prince of Darkness, please. In the San Fernando mission, yes. an old priest dies while waiting to speak to the archdiocese about something important. A note he was holding when he died revealed that he had come to warn about something bad happening at the long abandoned church he is for some reason still in charge of, something involving the sleeper. A priest, a.k.a. Donald Pleasance, takes up the search for meaning behind this and discovers under the old church the dead guy came from an ancient chamber filled with candles, crucifixes, and a giant tube holding a swirling green liquid. To figure out what is going on, he enlists the help of a quantum physicist from a local university and a few of his brightest and horniest students. <laughs> While spending the weekend in this old abandoned church downtown, they discover that these tunnels under downtown have been there since the Spanish days where a sect of Spanish priests were charged with making sure the contents of this tube remain in the tube. As it turns out, according to the text these guys left behind, Satan was real and used to be a sort of God on Earth, but a humanoid alien that we now know as Jesus Christ was sent to our planet to help us banish Satan. This sect managed to somehow banish Satan to wherever he came from, but this vial is filled with the goo of the son of Satan, aka the Prince of Darkness, who if ever released would fulfill his destiny of bringing the King of Darkness, aka Satan, back to our world. As luck would have it, some sort of celestial eclipse is coming and the seal on the vial, which had been under downtown LA for hundreds of years, but had been sealed for 7 million years, I, the timeline's a little weird, yeah. is weakening. So the scientists, students, and Donald Pleasance get barricaded inside of the church by the local homeless residents of downtown mm -hmm. LA, led by Alice Cooper, who are, <laughs> under, right. who are under some sort of spell by the impending return of Satan and kill any who try to escape. Of course, the vial opens, the goo gets out, and people one by one get possessed by it and kill slash possess the others while they prepare to summon Satan back into our realm. That was very... Take that, IMDb. <laughs> I spoiled a lot of it. IMDb. Filming locations, the outside of the San Fernando Mission is featured a lot in the beginning. The church is the former Union Church in Little Tokyo, now the Union Center for the Arts at 120 Judge John Iso Street. Okay. Still there. The university was filmed on the USC campus. So the idea of an ancient evil lurking under downtown is another one of those great 
concepts that usually goes to East Coast cities. Yes. Like this, what we've been talking about this whole time, that is so underutilized in LA. It also draws on the lore of the Spanish kind of mysterious and sinister mission days, which is also underutilized. Yeah. And also the lore of the tunnels that do exist under mm-hmm. downtown LA. He brought all these interesting things that never get talked about together to make Prince of Darkness. Big parts of LA history. And like, this is so nice. It's so nice, nice of him it's to make nice. a good horror movie based on already there LA lore. Yeah. There's the lizard people tunnels under downtown as well. John Carpenter, he loves LA, hates everybody else. <laughs> There's a science meeting, religion slash occult thing going on, uh, which is also part of LA lore. JPL and Jack Parsons, right. that was his marriage where he created the uh, star of, of uh, uh, Night Tide. There's also a none too flattering portrayal of homeless people in downtown yeah. LA, which I'm sure played into the fears that people had then as they do now of homeless people well, as here's just the devil possessed thing. threats yeah, to your life. It, it does do that for homeless people the next year he makes they live which is about like the lower class. yeah he has sympathy towards homeless people but also uh, hatred for upper class people yeah he wanted to, he wanted to flip uh, it a little he bit he wanted to play both sides <laughs> this is also a stretch but it seemed to me like there was something to me that this movie took place in little tokyo which the sign was featured in the establishing shot of the church and that the scientists recruited desperate to find meaning in this chaos was an asian man oh interesting yeah the, this he was not japanese and his character is his name is B-Rock, Barack, not okay. Barack, but which is not a Japanese name as far as I'm aware, but it feels like there's something there to an Asian person going underneath the surface of little Tokyo to confront an ancient forgotten oh, right. by most evil spreading among the white people he's stuck in the church with. The one black person in this movie also gets possessed, but he's crying the entire time and tries to kill himself about what he is doing while he's possessed. One of the other Asian characters in the movie also doesn't get possessed, but is put in kind of more danger than most others in the movie. And then the third Asian character does get possessed, but the other one of the other guys had implied in a joke quote unquote, that he didn't consider her to be very Asian. Oh, right. I kind of remember that joke. So for this all to be happening in spots where in the 40s, Japanese people were kicked out of little Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like there's something. Yeah, there's something there. Something was there. This movie is... It's good. Like, yeah. it's pretty good. It's, like It's among his better ones, yeah. Not to spoil anything, but like when the arrival of Satan is imminent, like it's pretty frightening. Yeah, there's a really famous shot and I would love it as a painting of the, the hand. Yeah, her reaching. Oh, yeah. And she's being pulled into the darkness and her hand's just like reaching. Yeah. Oh, it, it's, it's so good. Uh, so, hey, Etsy, get on it. Make that <laughs> painting. Like I said, like this is, I wish there was more horror set in the missions. Yeah. This is the sort of thing that happens in like Europe. Europe gets this yeah. Not the East Coast anymore. We're going further east into Europe. Like they get this, but like we've got old missions, old Catholic torture chambers. Yep, we certainly do. We have these slave labor camps here that we have to take field trips to every year. Um, (laughs) We have picnics there. When I watched it originally, I wasn't getting too much like LA because they're stuck in one location, but you're right that they use a lot of elements of Los Angeles to tell the story and then just stick people together. And that was something with a few of these that I was talking with you and incessantly to Melissa telling me, stop asking me this, I gave you an answer, but like, (laughs) it's not like they're not driving by the Hollywood sign. How is this not an LA movie? But like there are other ways to be an LA movie than just being... Yeah, just sticking iconography everywhere. Yeah. And John, the El Capitan? <laughs> they drove by the Big Donut. <laughs> but John Carpenter seems to be really good with that, where he doesn't overuse stuff. It was the same with Assault on Precinct yeah, 13, which, right. which felt very much like a post-Watts mm-hmm. movie without having a single recognizable landmark in Los Angeles. Yeah, another one, a very pointed movie, similar to They Live. I didn't think this guy had it in him. <laughs> We're going to be talking Jerry about Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis. The bellhop, Clavin. <laughs> 
Professor Frink. <laughs> We're going to talk about Wes Craven's 1991 film, People Under the Stairs. Have you seen this? I have the DVD at home, which, by the way, we forgot to mention. The Craft, I borrowed the DVD from the library. Prince of Darkness is on Amazon Prime. Thank there. you. You got it. You got it. People Under the Stairs, I had to watch it illegally online. Uh, Greg, can we get a second take on that? Take out the ill illegally <laughs> part. Say that you paid, you overpaid yeah, you for overpaid. it because you wanted. I bought it on, I don't even like it, but I bought it on YouTube. <laughs> I bought it on, let's just say the dark web. <laughs> I didn't download it illegally. I paid for it on the dark web. They opened up a container <laughs> full <Bitcoin>. of <laughs> kidnapped people. I'm like, oh, can I get that DVD behind? <laughs> people Under the Stairs is insane. It's an insane movie. and it- Don't spoil too much, especially with this one, because I'm looking forward to watching it. But give me your IMDb synopsis. Okay. Well, the title gives away whatever okay people on the stairs is this a harry potter movie not far um let's first talk about okay it's directed by wes craven and starring brandon quinton adams who we know of his picture from the sandlot as we were discussing wes craven the more commercial and friendlier john carpenter a little bit like okay he does last house on the left insane ugly film he does hills have eyes another insane ugly film and then he does nightmare on elm street and then like sort of like just makes those for a while yeah. and you're like well, these are scary but this one's like it was him like I want to make a John Carpenter satire movie and that's people under the <laughs> stairs and I, I really do enjoy it Brandon Quinn Adams is the star plays Fool uh, he is the pitcher from the Sandlot who has the heater huh. AJ Foo Lang as in Foo, like this Fool Okay. It's, it's like this full starring Chris Rashad. One of the best shows I've seen this year. AJ Langer, who we know from, she was in My So-Called Life, but she's also in Escape from LA. I think she's the president's daughter that he has to rescue. Okay. Everett McGill and Wendy Roby, who play Mommy and Daddy, <laughs> who we know from Twin Peaks. It's Big Ed and Nadine, who got plucked from huh. Twin Peaks to be in this movie because he liked them so much. They are so good in this movie. They're so <laughs> insane. Crank insanity up. I was watching him. I'm like, are you just evil Jim Carrey? Uh, also, Sean Whalen. <laughs> and Ving Rhames are in it. They submitted story summary. The people understand- When is this movie from? 1991. Okay. That explains the Ving Rhames. Yeah, yeah. Uh, A young boy from the ghetto and some older guys uh, attempt a burglary of a home of a family's evil landlords and he becomes trapped inside their large suburban house and discovers the secret of the children that the insane brother and sister uh, have been rearing under the stairs. The titular people. The under titular the stairs. people under stairs. You're really only in one house the whole movie. You're stuck in the house. It's 2215 South Harvard Boulevard off of 22nd near Western. So it's a kind of West Adams, Koreatown, South LA sort of home, a big okay. grand yeah. Victorian home. I've been in one of those houses before. And from the film, it seems like a lot of it seems like the interior of this house. And then like when you go in the walls and under the stairs, it's probably like on location or something like oh, that. Oh, right. Like the Norman Bates house. Like the Norman Bates house. Which um, I could see through. But it feels like they used the interior of the house for a lot of it. It's very scary to me. The idea of being trapped in a house scares the crap out of me, uh, especially with insane people who want to torture you. There's a huge comment about like the highs and lows of this movie, and I'll get into how that touches on most of my movies, but like how the evil rich landlords are abusing people of color beneath them and have n- absolutely no sympathy whatsoever because they're probably six sex psychopaths. Uh, very good. 1991 it has a lot to comment about like Ving home invasions at Ving Rames and the how year of Ving Rames year of Ving Rames and in the ineffectiveness of police officers. That's another LA piece of history lore is I forget her name, but the quote unquote feral child. Oh, a very upsetting thing that we vowed to never cover on this yeah, show. Yeah, there's a couple things that I'm like, I'm not going to even touch that. But but that sounds, I mean, that sounds like what was going on mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah, that's not specifically LA. No, but that's a but that's story a thing that, that happens. That's a big story that happened in LA. I mean, Wes Craven was, I don't know if the story that he made this movie based on was an LA story, but two men 
broke into a house to rob it. Police responded and they found that they were keeping children in. Uh, this is a true story. This is a true story that Wes Craven based this off of. <laughs> so the cops came to look into the robbery and, and finding a bunch of kids who were kept in captivity. But the wage gap and the difference between like poor people and rich people and how rich people live it's a, a huge satire and also like they live if you listen or read interviews from john carpenter he's like i hate reagan i hate reagan i hate ronald reagan i hate the reagan era i hate consumerism and then west craven's like Haha, me too and he like the mommy and daddy are just nancy and ronald reagan they're the reagans they he, he looks like reagan they dress like they're from the 50s and they're just sick crazy people who are obsessed with money also something that happens in this fool yeah yeah you're absolutely that's right oh boy who's gone reagan <laughs> Fools have comments on Reagan. Fuganomics. <laughs> well, watch this, Foo. It's a very good show on Hulu. Yeah, we're not here to plug this <laughs> fool. Because my next one leads actually nicely into that because my next movie is The Purge. Oh, oh my God. Released yeah. June 7th, 2013. Written directed by James DeMonico. If you binge watch The Purge movies, it just cancels out. <laughs> <laughs> In a dystopian America that I remember being not much different from the one we live in now. For <laughs> Only like a year apart. I know. For one night a year, all laws are suspended and anybody is free to do whatever they want with no consequences as long as they do it in the specified time frame. This is known as the purge. What this amounts to is rich people fortifying their houses to stay safe for the night while poor and middle class people wreak havoc, murder, and rape on themselves. There's no comment about how poor people are bad. There's no comment there. And rich hey, people, because they get a- Middle class people are bad too. <laughs> the conceit of the government being that everyone gets it out of their system and there is zero crime for the other 364 days of the year. Yeah. But in one house, the house of a man who designs purge security systems, the wheels come off when one of the children of the house shows mercy for a homeless man on the street being hunted by some rich young jerks who now turn their attention on breaking through their security system to get to this man. Filming locations, the house is at 11484 Iverson Road in Chatsworth above the 118. And that's the only filming location of the movie. <laughs> it, the house is so very, very North Valley gated community. Oh, okay, like yeah. it's perfect if, house if you've for ever a story wondered, about a purge. Yeah, if you've ever wondered what those gated communities in like Porter Ranch, and this is what it looks like. Okay. That area's terror of home invasions and of homeless people in general is palpable, like in real life and in this movie. Yeah. It's only gotten worse over time just as the money disparity in this city, which is slowly heading towards a real life purge, it feels like. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah. That, I mean, it, you know, there's not much more to say about it other than like, yeah, we're heading towards this. <laughs> like this, yeah. like as much like the people under the stairs comment on this, this is what's going to happen. It's scary when like a dystopian story is like, that's only like a degree away yeah, from yeah. what we're doing now. It's like one fact in our reality changed from, uh, from happening. Cause like Mad Max has always been like four steps away. Yeah. The fi in this sci-fi <laughs> is not so, not so high. I mean, it's scary. It's a, yeah. it's a home invasion movie. I mean, everyone has home invasion fears all over the country, but like really in that part of, town like just gated community life and stuff like you live your life in fear of a home invasion it feels like i don't even want to get into what goes on on the reddit of los angeles but like it feels like people just go on there to say how bad homeless people and how afraid they are of homeless people and and it's just like this sick kind of I, i don't even know i don't know what's happening like why are people so angry at homeless people when they're not angry at the government and landlords, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, they get off the hook because that's their job. Yeah, they're supposed to make people homeless. That's their job is to make homeless yeah, people. Yeah, to crank up the rent so only rich TikTokers can live here. And everybody <laughs> and, has and to there's move. like 40 of them in one yeah. house also. That's a more recent one, but you look at stuff like 
people on the stairs who have comments about like landlords and people being evicted. You look at they live and people who live in camps. And you're like, oh, this the landlords and real estate people wreaking havoc on poor people has been Los Angeles's problem for a very long time. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yep. <laughs> and uh, just to answer it now, that's the theme of all my movies. Is at some point they mention all of them except for House on a Haunted Hill, but the title House uh, is already implied. <laughs> Was it a rented house or did he own? Well, we know he doesn't own the Haunted Hill beneath him, and he's preying on a. Of all the people who are stuck there, the woman who needs the money yeah. is the one who's like, I guess I could stay even though everyone's dying. <laughs> well, nowadays the remake would be called Rental on Haunted Hill, <laughs> Airbnb on Haunted Hill, <laughs> and I live in because <laughs> it's somehow cheaper, but. Almost everything else has a, a moment of talking about homeless people and the housed versus the unhoused. We how many? Yeah, how many of these movies like uh, Prince of Darkness? Was, the big, you're saying the the beginning of um, the craft has a homeless person showing yep, up at the yep. door. Yeah, and who chases her down Hollywood Boulevard? Yeah, Dennis Hopper gets led by the sea witch to this abandoned building, but he has to cross a homeless camp, and his little girl's just staring at him, and he yeah. has no idea. Like, <laughs> like how often is housing an issue in? LA movies. Yep. Especially LA horror where they're like, we're trying to scare you. You might live on the streets if you come here. Charlie Chaplin, The Little Tramp. The Little he Tramp. He had a housing issue. Well, what's your next movie okay, that you've got I think for us? I want- Let's stop talking about wage disparity. <laughs> okay, I'm going to talk about Drag Me to Hell first, which is a newer one. Directed spectacularly by Sam Raimi, who if you haven't seen- Dark Man? Dark Man. <laughs> the Evil Dead series is great. I love the Evil Dead series. We're not going to talk about Spider-Man. We're not going to talk about uh, his baseball movie. Oh, the good Spider-Man movie? Uh, he's great with The Simple Plan, which is almost perfect movie that is almost a Coen Brothers movie. That's how good it is. It's how you rate a movie or not. He recently did a Marvel movie, which I think I wasn't sure how Marvel was going to handle the creativity of Sam Raimi. Pretty good. Oh, you mean the original Spider-Man? The original Spider-Man. Yeah, those are pretty good. Uh, Have you seen Jack Manel? No, I haven't. I just know from being at CSUN that they say, uh, someone once told me, mm-hmm. they filmed Drag Me to Hell right there. Yep. And I thought, why would they film it right there? <laughs> they, Justin Long, who plays the boyfriend of Allison Lohman, uh, works in the psychology department. His office is in that building that we tend to record in when we, our regular building is locked. Okay. Yeah. So so whoever told me that was not lying. Who no. might have been you, by the way. It possibly was <laughs> me. I like to point out every time I watch Parks and Rec or anything where they film at CSUN, I have to text Andy like, they were there <laughs> You have to know that they were. You also used to lie to me all the time at CSUN. You told you swore to me that they filmed the end of Citizen Kane at Manzanita Hall. You told me, Greg. <laughs> you told me that Birth of a Nation was filmed in front of the OVR library. Well, might as well be. Was no longer the OVR was in it. You told me that when when Humphrey Bogart said this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship or whatever, yeah. that happened in front of Geronimo's, <laughs> the place that sells mediocre Chinese food to the dorm students. You told me that the film Singles takes place in in the Freudian sip. You <laughs> yeah. said that to me. <laughs> when Harry met Sally <laughs> in a Freudian sip, Greg. So this film is starring the always great Alison Lohman, who we don't see in movies anymore. Uh, Lorna Raver, who plays Mrs. Ganoush, I believe, the old old Hungarian witch. And Justin Long, of course. <laughs> to put not too fine a point on yeah. it. Um, <laughs> that old Hungarian <laughs> witch. User submitted... IMDb story summary. Christine Brown is a lone The third officer. host of this show. Yeah, the, the IMDb I, users. People, yeah, the people who write on IMDb. <laughs> Christine Brown is a lone officer at a bank, but is worried about her lot in life. She's in competition with a competent colleague for an assistant manager position and isn't too sure about the status with a boyfriend. Worried that her boss will think less of her if she shows weakness, she refuses a time extension on loan to an old woman, Mrs. Ganoush, who now faces- That old Hungarian witch. <laughs> who now faces foreclosure for, and the loss of her house. 
in retaliation, the old woman places a curse on her, which she subsequently learns will result in her being taken to hell in a few days' time. With the help of a psychic, she tries how to... Will be, how will she be taken there? Uh, against her Gently? will. Are they going to carry her there? Well, I mean, if they can get her off the ground, sure. Half of her. With the help of the psychic, she tries to rid herself of a demon, but faces several hurdles in the attempt. A very good, very competent horror movie that takes place in L.A. Isn't necessarily about L.A. Uh, but it is at CSUN. That's yeah, but, enough for me. <laughs> the story starts in, in Pasadena in the 60s with a previous case of the curse with a, like a maybe a migrant family. Christine's house is in Echo Park, Angelina Heights by Teardrop Park, 1031 Everett Street, which is uh, where my dad got beat up by cops one time. Very close to Edric's house. My good friend Edric showed me that movie and we saw her house and you see a, a shot of downtown LA and we couldn't figure out. So I had to take it to my dad when he could see. And he was like, oh, and he told us where that was at. And then he told me the story about him getting beat up by cops. <laughs> and it's her bank is in the valley, one uh, eight. 421 Ventura Boulevard. They go to a psychic shop at 1004 Mohawk Street, which I think is Silver Lake, if I remember correctly. And then uh, the, the end of the movie takes place at Union Station as well. And it's a lot of fun. This seems to fall in the other category we were talking about of locations of LA rather than feel of LA. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But it's both valid. Both, <laughs> both, both apply both in apply. this episode. I'll say uh, the less intelligent comment first. It's incredibly gross, like every Sam Raimi movie should be. <laughs> so get ready for that. A lot of gross, a lot of weird CGI, but it's fine. I'll, I'll accept it. I, he's always kind of done that. When Practical effects are so hard these days. It's another movie about housed and unhoused people and another poor versus rich people and trying to make your way up means having to cut someone. People who Chop, are in the pit. Cindy lop somebody? Yeah, Cindy lop somebody up. Uh, not helping somebody out of the pit of despair that is uh, unhoused people in LA. It's very it, interesting. It's so weird. I mean, like, yes, that's the issue on everybody's mind in LA yeah. is housing, but I still want people to make like old Spanish oh, yeah, yeah, spooky yeah. stories and old pork you, stories. You could put everything together. You can make, you could yeah, like true. John Carpenter make a movie about everything, everything, everything going wrong in LA. Everything going once. wrong in LA, yeah. <laughs> everything going wrong all at once, <laughs> which is just the story of my life. <laughs> Am I right? So if you get a chance to watch Strike Me to Hell, I say watch Strike Me to Hell and you'll see some great alley spots. For some reason, I was, I never thought about it just because it was like yeah, this came out like when I was alive like why, <laughs> why would I, I want to watch, watch yeah. that <laughs> contemporary actors like Alison Lohman why would I want to watch this but I'm very curious for just for the the location just for that one location at CSUN alone I would love to see that that's fair well do you want to go to our most recent movie sure this one nope nope the one you haven't seen the and I'm going to spoil seen. it here oh my god do you know anything about what happens in nope a little bit, just based on the trailer. I've only seen the trailer. I I, I made very sure not to spoil much. I appreciate I, that. I appreciate but uh, yeah, this is the this is this is hot off the press, Greg. This one is still dripping wet. <laughs> Jordan Peele's fingerprints are still <laughs> on this. So released July twenty second, twenty twenty two. Written and directed by Jordan Peele. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the Santa Clarita, <laughs> from the twisted mind that brought you an impression of Barack Obama, comes our most recent movie in this episode. <laughs> nope. Uh, when the head of a movie horse stunt ranch owned by the descendants of the black man on the horse from the Moybridge horse experiment is mysteriously <laughs> killed by a coin that fell from the sky. His son and daughter are left to run the flailing business and keep on the family tradition. Things take a turn for the worse when horses start to go missing and it becomes clear that the ranch is being stalked by a bloodthirsty extraterrestrial. The two are forced to figure out a way to save their home while also fending off the expanding amusement park of the former child sitcom star next door. Stephen, Stephen Yun, Yun, Saved by I, Glenn from The Walking Dead. I have the maybe the biggest crush on He's really cool. He's really cool and funny and handsome. He is. And he's he's a good mustache. Kind of great. And he seems really nice. Yeah. And he yeah, he can pull off any look. Yeah. Oh, he's great. He's a, he's a great American actor. <laughs> is he 
Is he my new Colin Farrell? <laughs> Have you seen the Batman? Because uh, I don't know if you're willing to uh, give him up yet. You're oh, What are you doing? Show me that. I renewed my attraction <laughs> to Colin Farrell in the Batman. What are you showing me that for? <laughs> I love it. Filming locations. The ranch was in Agua Dulce, oh. a place called Firestone Ranch in particular. They, of course, go to the closed alien invasion fries in Burbank oh, and Ben Owen in Hollywood Way. Heartbroken forever. Uh, the fish sandwich place is Jimmy's Burgers at 7441 Lancashire in North Hollywood, Sun Valley area. A very specific and frightening part of Los Angeles is where this takes place. Agua Dulce. Uh-huh. I have always been afraid of Agua Dulce. Because it's so dark. Oh, yeah. It's it's nature. Not even nature. It's like desolation almost. Like it's just like hills and field. Like it's, yeah. there's just nothing there. It's unnature. It's, <laughs> it's unnatural. <laughs> I've been there at night for a party once. My old boss worked there or lived there. And I've been there once to see a comet. And it is genuinely terrifying to be there at night because there's no lights. It's like mostly ranches and people who don't want to be near civilization. Yeah. And it's just like scary, twisty mountain roads. And it's so dark. Like I can't stress it enough. It's so dark. Yeah. I, I was telling you before that like they filmed the movie in a special way to like capture the night sky. Right. I've been seeing the posts of it, how they filmed that. And it's incredible. They captured that fear of night in Agua Dulce so perfectly. Like it is, it's just scary. Yeah. Like especially being, you're not quite in the city, you're outside of the city, but we're still city people. And that fear of being in nature yeah. or like being alone is like really palpable. And it's very scary. Like just how like these characters are sort of on the outer reaches of show business, show business. Uh, I call it show business. Uh, <laughs> this part of town, like I was saying, it's the outer reaches of LA where it's, not like anywhere else in L.A. County. I was surprised when he told me it was Al, an L.A. movie because I assumed it was just like another part Montana of the, or Montana or something. Yeah. No, and it's specifically L.A. It's Hollywood. It's Los Angeles. That speaks directly to why the film business thrived here is because we have such different terrains. That yeah. We, the craft and Nope are still filmed in the same county and they're wildly different. And also they like these sorts of things, like they still film out there and these companies where it's like, yeah, we're the people who train monkeys to be in a movie. The periphery like, of this the is where they are. Yeah. Like the periphery is on the periphery of LA County. It's alien and monster country. Like I, yeah. I've always felt that way. And cryptid country. It's it. And then welcome to cryptid country. That's my <laughs> other Etsy sign. The scenes where they go to Fry's Electronics, where they go to this fish shop, where they come back into LA, like LA city areas, it's like, oh, thank God I'm safe. Like whenever you go out to Agua Dulce, it's like, what is going to happen here? I don't feel safe. And it's always safer in civilization. There was a big meteor shower, I believe, or maybe I think it was one of those, but we drove out to like Santa Clarita. Well, that's what I was saying. We I, we went to see that comet that was like two years ago and it's so scary. We found like there. just a, a, a road where I can get in the bed of my truck and watch it and yep. as soon as we turned the lights off, yep. her and I were like, no. Yeah, let's leave. It was Nope. We were like, nope. That's good. That's good. But then uh, I called you and I said, get out and you said, what, us? Us? Now? <laughs> Oh, the next movie he makes is now. And then you said, "What? why is this uh, outside of a banana on the floor? And I said, you mean the peel? And then I gave you these almonds that had candy on them. And you said, what sort of almonds are these? And I said, Jordan. I said, Twilight Zone. 
give me your Keegan Michael keys and we can get out of here. Uh, so there's a lot going on theme wise in this movie, but focusing just on the Hollywood aspects of it, there's the sadness of being on the outskirts of Hollywood, which you and I know very well, <laughs> and too well. the gross and sometimes deadly consequences and the exploitation of all of that, and also the desperation to be seen and relevant. Like there's so much going yeah, on in that yeah. movie, but I don't want to spoil too much. This leads perfectly into my last movie. If oh. we're talking about the movie industry and taking place in LA, this movie could have only taken place in LA. Yeah. This is the seventh of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Okay. And this is New Nightmare. Have you ever seen New Nightmare? New Nightmare. New Nightmare. Uh, no, I haven't. Do you know what it's about? Uh, there's some Frederick Frederick, some sort of uh, uh, some sort of a custodian. It's like a where's a, Waldo, but you don't it, want to find him. It's, um, it's like a fashion piece, right? With a really sharp looking sweater. A sharp looking sweater. Don't shake his hand. New Nightmares from 1994, and it's written and directed by Wes Craven, starring Heather Langenkamp as Heather Langenkamp. Her son's name is Miko Hughes. Here's a U- IMDb user-submitted story. Love that guy. It's nearing the 10th anniversary of the film on Nightmare on Elm Street, and one of the stars, oh, Heather Langenkamp, is being scared by a voice on the phone sounding very familiar to the film's villain, Freddy Krueger. When Heather's Freddy, husband is Freddy killed... Krueger. <laughs> when her husband is killed in a car accident and discovered with slash marks on him, Heather starts to wonder something especially when she discovers that Wes Craven is writing another nightmare film soon she realizes that Freddy has now entered the real world and the only way to defeat him is to become Nancy Thompson once again that's funny this is like the new Scream movie yeah three quarters of it are one of the best horror movies I've ever seen because it's so disorienting and you don't know what is being part of the movie that they're getting ready to film what's a dream it's so frantic there are also here's what makes this I'm glad I'm ending on this movie. So there are earthquakes all through. She wakes up from a scary dream because of an earthquake. There are earthquakes throughout this movie, okay. which is part of like Freddy's coming back. And I thought, oh, this is a commentary on the 94 earthquake. And this film was done in 1994. The 1994 earthquake happened two weeks before they wrapped. <laughs> so the earthquake happens, scares the hell out of everybody. Is like, I think we're going too much with the earthquakes. And the real earthquake happens. They're like, this is perfect. You guys caught earthquake perfectly. My publicity campaign where I pull on the tectonic plate to work. <laughs> the earthquake happens, the worst earthquake basically in Los Angeles modern history or whatever. So they get Heather Langenkamp and they for follow now. her around for now. They follow her around and she just drives past footed. They, oh, so they did use footage from the... Yeah. Okay. So the, the part of CSUN that's crushed, right. she drives right wow. past it, she walks past it. All like the freeways that have come down, they wow. have like... so. They have oh, footage of it. Do they drive by me having just wet my pants? Yeah, there's a little nerdy Jewish kid <laughs> with drenching wet pants and it's... It's January 1993, and they don't know why he puked Okay, up. all right, so I'm in that movie. I buried the lead, but let's try to narrow it down, yeah. because that could have been about an eight-year period for me. I was in a lot of movies, always with my pants wet. I was I was a little rascal who always wet his pants. Yeah. They call me Drippy. <laughs> Petey always wanted to hang out with me. Yeah, because he thought my name was P.E. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of earthquake in the movie on its own. And part of the 94 earthquake okay. as, as historical footage now. I believe it was Escape from L.A. Yeah. Used footage from the earthquake right. also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You were saying that yeah. for an action episode. I remember that. And also, this is a movie about making movies. So Heather Langenkamp is an actress who has to drive around and be on set. She has to go to studios. The PAs are yelling at her because she's late, which is like, you yelled at Heather Langenkamp? <laughs> she lives in a normal suburban. That's where you lost me. <laughs> she lives at 5132 Kelvin Avenue in Tarzana, which is like a okay. upper middle class actress home. Uh, her husband works in special effects, which is also a thing 
thing that happens in Los Angeles a lot is just like, oh, my cousin work, makes the hand that comes out in Adam's family. <laughs> yeah, she, the, hand. the hand. He's got a name, Greg. She, you know, she calls Robert England, who's a painting, and she Wait goes, a minute, wait a minute. Oh, well, I guess they are making a... Yeah, uh, so okay, he's in it sure. as Robert England. That's Always, uh, She goes to Wes Craven's house, which is like she has to drive along the coast, and he lives very well, and he's a very serious guy. They go and egg John Carpenter's house. Yes, they do. The movie gets bad once Freddy Krueger actually comes out and you see his face. You're like, oh, boring. But everything leading up to it is so disorienting because it's the hints of Freddy and the little kid who the actor is very good. It's just like doing creepy stuff. And I usually don't like creepy kids, but this kid is so good at being creepy that it's it's three quarters of it are very effective horror film. He runs across the freeway and the CG gets so bad at some point because it's 1994. The 94 earthquake was the worst CG I have ever seen. I mean, I never wet my pants. Yeah, I that was all CGI. I would, I was so dry, Greg. <laughs> Almost too dry. Of a fire hazard. Dry. <laughs> I caused the gas station that exploded <laughs> near my house because my pants were so dry. So yeah, a movie about making movies is very alley. It could have only been here, and the earthquakes is like an essential part yeah, throughout I it. Got to watch this. And also, do, like, you, do you need to? Because I've only seen the first nightmare on you, Elm Street. You don't, you don't need no, more. you only need to have seen the first one because okay. the sud keeps like having it on, and so you need to know Nancy. You need to know um, is Johnny Depp in it. No, he's not. They, he was too. Wes Craven apparently was too afraid to ask Johnny Depp, who was a giant star, who was probably doing Ed Wood around that time, if he wanted to be in another Valley movie. Yeah, another Valley movie. <laughs> and he was too scared to ask him. And then they ran into each other at a party. He's like, he goes up the pre awful Johnny Depp, and it's like, if I had asked you to be in thing, and Johnny Depp's like, of course I would have. Like, you gave me my start. Like, yeah, I would have gone and hung out for a day. <laughs> well, he's already dead though in the movie. Yeah, it's true, but it doesn't matter because he's just an actor. He's just Johnny Depp. Uh, you're not playing. <laughs> Tommy explain or, this to me again but they go back well, to the, how did he get the scissors out of his hands and transplant them onto Freddy Krueger <laughs> explain meta to me one more time. <laughs> I was up till 3am seeing a lot of horror tropes so I'm a little confused right now I don't even know what's real and what's not but they also go back to the original Nightmare on Elm Street Hall, which is in West Hollywood at 1428 North Genovese Avenue. Right. That's fun. Yeah. I got to see this. That, that sounds like a lot of fun. It's a lot heard, of fun. I heard when I have seen like discussions of this, yeah. this movie, I always heard like, oh, this is like the second best of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies or maybe Dream Army is the second Dream best. Warriors Dream is Dream. my uh, favorite. Oh, so you haven't seen Dream Army? Yeah. Oh, Dream Army. They, he recruits people and you have to enlist. <laughs> yeah. You also get drafted, but it's a long process. Yeah. If, if you can make it through the Dream Boot Camp section of the movie you can it's like full metal jacket <laughs> i think that this one is tied with the original one which i think is a classic horror movie but i think dream warriors is my favorite okay yeah i haven't seen dream warriors you should either. it's probably the first time i saw a nude woman on tv i was oh, probably, watch chopping mall you know watch chopping mall with me as a kid i think the first nude woman i saw on a television in a movie was the nurse in dream warriors which i didn't know until i was rewatching it this time and, was, and what did you say when you saw her Something's bad here. You didn't greet her in any sort well, of way, and then her title, "Hello, nurse." I wanted you to say "Hello, nurse." Hello, well. nurse. <laughs> he did it. My God. Yeah, he my did God. It. He did it. The only cat call that's acceptable. <laughs> um, whatever, whatever. And then she turns out to be a monster. Not to spoil it. So, like, my idea of of naked women is always like, oh, she's gonna kill me. Uh, and then <laughs> it all makes sense. The though. first time I got high, they put on Dream Warriors, which I didn't know it was Dream Warriors, Reefer. but I knew it was a Freddy Krueger movie. Reefer Madness. For madness, and I thought, oh, this is weird. That's the first time. And then now, as an, a full-grown adult, not getting high, <laughs> watching Dream Warriors again, like this is tied to a lot of weird memories in my life. Now, that I, now you can't see a naked woman without being high. 
I needed to go get a reefer stick. You want to go to the last movie Let's we've got here, period? I'm going to I'm going to bury the lead a little bit and save the title for after my Is little... it bury the lead? Oh crap. We have to bury the lead actress <laughs> starring Skeet Ulrich. Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> so the release date of this movie is May 24th, 1995. Written by Rusty Cundeef and Darren Scott, directed by Rusty Cundeef, however that's pronounced. Executive produced by Spike Lee. For all of you that have been searching for a movie that starts with a skeleton smoking a joint pointing a gun at you. Oh, can I guess? Look no further than... Can I guess? Yeah. Vampire in Brooklyn. (laughs) Tales from the Hood. Tales from the Hood. Our final movie. Uh, This is a classic anthology movie with the narrative conceit being that three gangsters in a certain flat, suburban, heavy, sun-drenched city, not explicitly LA, but a lot of stuff they were dealing with at the time, screams LA, uh, filming locations in LA. We'll have a debate that we had before of whether or not... I've never seen Tales from the Hood. Is it a Tales from the Crypt franchise, right? No, no, no. I don't think it has anything officially to do with it, but okay. it is Tales from the Crypt. Okay. So, so here, listen. They, these three. Hey, listen. Hey, shut up and hey, listen. Shut up and listen to this. These three gangsters arrive one night to a funeral home run by the Black Willy Wonka of mortuaries of morticians, rather, morticians, because yeah. he was going to. He's basically the crypt keeper, so they're there under the pretense he found some drugs behind the building and he's going to sell them to these kids. Okay. In dragging out the drug deal, he takes the kids past three dead bodies and a doll. And for each of these, we see a different short horror story of how this person died. And in the doll's case, what's with the doll? Yeah. The acting is, with the exception of this mortician and David Alan Greer and Corbin Burnson, it's pretty bad acting. And it's often very silly and over the top. But the themes that the, of these stories that they are dealing with are, I dare say, profound and serious and often shocking. Yeah. Uh, the first story is a police brutality slash a cop never rats out a cop story of a black rookie cop who sees his white co-workers beat a civil rights leader to death during a bogus traffic stop because he was on to the white cops for selling drugs in black neighborhoods. That's that's a horror story. Yeah. This is this is like we talk about Jordan Peele. Like I I imagine this movie was a big influence. While it's not great, like I'm about to sell this movie really hard because there's so many really good things. Yeah. It's not great, but it it is worth watching. Yeah. The rookie is then urged by the ghost voice of the dead civil rights leader to bring the cops to his grave. Right. This is the closest you're ever gonna get to seeing a zombie Martin Luther King ripping white cops to shreds, which is pretty fun. And that could be the title. <laughs> That, no, that's my Etsy side. <laughs> the second story is about a young black boy who is coming to school with bruises given to him at home by a quote unquote monster who breaks into his room at night. This is a really awful child abuse story, but the kid does somehow have an ability to harm the things he's most afraid of that I won't spoil. Okay. The third story is about a racist Southern former Klansman running for governor who sets up his campaign headquarters in an old plantation house where a brutal slave massacre had happened only to find himself pursued by a doll that one of the former slaves had put the souls of the victims into. The final story is about a gangster sentenced to life in prison for murder who is given the opportunity for freedom if he comes to this mad scientist castle on a hill to be reprogrammed Frankenstein style. Oh, wow. Filming locations. The funeral home is at 1347 Kellum in Angelino Heights, which is a perfectly... Creepy Kellum, which is right behind Carroll Avenue. Yeah, it's it's part of that whole thing. Yeah. It's like if if you go to trick or treating on mm. Carroll Street or Carroll Avenue, Avenue, yeah, you could go see this house. It's one of those like you know the thriller house. It's like one of those, but the whole set of that is perfectly creepy and cozy. Like it's it's a perfect mix of that. The cemetery scene is in the Inglewood Cemetery, the place where the gangster shoots the guys at two two six one West twenty first Street in I guess you'd call it Mid City. Right. The plantation house is the Banning House in Wilmington. Whoa. Uh, they're at the port at a certain point. Okay, so this is the debate I had with you and Melissa, who didn't want to partake in this debate. Smart. Of whether or not this is an LA movie, even though there's no instantly recognizable LA landmarks. Yeah. 
it uh, okay debate over <laughs> like when i watched it i was like it's like it's not explicitly la like there's but the things they're talking about are so so a part of LA. There's the obviously the subject matter for any black community across the US, but consider that this movie came out in 1995, not long after Rodney King. Strong LA connection to what was going on, especially with the gang violence that was at its peak in LA in the mid 90s. Yeah. The racist KKK guy even says, can't we all just get along at one point? Right. A mural is the setting of a big death scene that involves a guy getting crucified with used syringes off the street, oh. which is a beloved site downtown. In the Crooked Cop story, there's also a Christopher Dorner thing going on, which mm. was which was way before that. Yeah. Even the racist former KKK guy running for governor is kind of like John Clinton Porter, who is the mayor of LA, who was in the KKK. Uh, there's also this montage, which I talked to you a little bit about in the last story that draws a parallel between the KKK and gang violence, which is shockingly powerful. Wow. Like it, it's almost like Spike Lee on the last day of shooting was like, I've got this scene. I think I have something in plan. Like it felt in the whole Spike Lee, like I don't think he really had much to do with it other than executive producer, but like in the works that Spike Lee had a finger on, like this is up there. Really? Very upsetting. It was, I, I don't know what, it was some rap song playing and it shows like old pictures very upsetting pictures of black people being lynched by the KKK, like KKK members with their hoods on, gang members pulling uh, oh, wow. ski masks on, going by and shooting people. And then it asks the question, what color is the skin of the people the KKK were killing? And what color is the skin of the people that these gangsters are killing? Mm. So it was it was like, wow. after everything that had happened in that <laughs> movie, which is mostly upsetting, but also a lot of silly stuff. And for, for that kind of ending from a movie is like, oh, we also have a haunted doll. <laughs> that's not even the very end. Like after this, it's like, well, that's all. This is weird again. But it was so like jarring yeah. and very worth watching. Even that moment warrants a watch. If you just watch that, you'd be satisfied. I mean, like, I'm sure the whole thing is a lot of fun. It, it is. Like, it, it, in the vein of like Tales of the Crypt. As heavy as it is, it's still a lot of fun. It manages to be fun. It's heavy on comedy and you often feel like you're watching Friday or even parts of Boys in the Hood. Right. Uh, apparently the director got the idea for the movie from one act play he used to do in LA called the Black Horror Comedy Show, Black Anthropy. It's got meaning. Like if yeah. if you want a movie with meaning that is significant to LA, that isn't homeless related or housing related. I feel like after the Rodney King and the riots had happened, I feel like a lot of movies about like the black community and what they were going through felt all like LA, like a lot of palm trees yeah, and because flat roads. And that was like the heart of, I dare say with K-Day, yeah. even though K-Day by that time was kind of gone, but like the Dr. Dre and all that, like that was like where almost like the Valley Girl thing in the 80s yeah. coming out of the Valley, like black culture was sort of being dictated by LA at the time, yeah. South Central at the time, it feels like. I Again, I can't say like, this is a great movie. Like there is some very bad acting. And it's a great stuff. Tales from the Crypt movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's very refreshing to see a made by black people, yeah. starring black people. The white people are pretty much all evil in this mm -hmm. movie. And it's it's refreshing to see, especially in the 90s where there was even less of that. But yeah, like with Friday and Boys in the Hood, like this feels like it goes nicely with those two movies, which are also very LA movies. They are, yeah. They're both, those are two good summer movies. It feels like a good like, ooh, autumn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Watch those during the summer. And then when October rolls around, pop in Tales from the Hood. And that's our LA horror movies. LA horror and Halloween, not all entirely scary. Yeah, yeah. If they live in that scary. And, uh, uh, Tales from the Hood was really scary. Yeah. When you, that skeleton was 
It had a grill, Greg. Now I'm looking back at it. People under the stairs has like a black lead in it. It's Keith David and, and they live and Prince of Darkness also has a lot of people of color as well. Like Yeah, John Carpenter is pretty good about that. Yeah. <laughs> so now let's just part, yeah. let's let's do the Bechdel test <laughs> on all of these movies. <laughs> there LA has a lot to offer that it, as with everything is underutilized. Like there's so much lore and and history that could be tapped. And look, Aaron Sorkin, (laughs) scariest mind in Hollywood, get on it. And you could do something movie industry related and it can go well, like like New new Nightmare. Or you can do something not dealing with Alley at all. Like How about a horror movie about oil in Los Angeles? Oh, absolutely. Like a a creature from the Black Lagoon. And the Black Lagoon is, I don't know, uh, Echo Park. Uh, Ever heard of it? There's so much you could do. The Black Lagoon is uh, my pool. Because I poo in it. <laughs> That's why um, they call it a pool. <laughs> yeah, a lot of these movies have to do with, you know, in some element will have to do with homeless people or housing and unhoused people or the wage disparity. Like the, the high, like Raymond Chandler always talked about the highs and lows, like the highs mm-hmm. of society, like the richest, most famous person lives not too far away from homeless people and people who are struggling every like, paycheck to paycheck. Or, or Sometimes they show up at your door with a snake and you scream for and your you daddy. Scream, and you're like, why don't we live in a bigger gated community? <laughs> Here's my challenge to everybody. Yeah. Where is the, what Raymond Chandler was for LA to noir and detective and mystery, not really mystery, but detective stuff. For the most part, yeah. Who is going to be the horror writer that does for LA horror that Raymond Chandler did for LA that's noir? That's a very good question. I want it. Yeah, I want Aaron it Sorkin. <laughs> that's the answer yeah, I'm looking a, for. Yeah, a swim and gasp. <laughs> oh, so we have a listener question well, that's right. uh, to sum things up. That's right. Uh, this one's from Spider Baby. Speaking of Spider Baby. Spider Baby is another LA horror movie that takes place in <laughs> Texas, in my, I think. In my or parents' Florida. backyard, as you think. Uh, so she asks on Instagram if y'all, she must be Southern. She's Southern. She's a cowgirl now. If y'all had to choose one iconic LA eatery to mm-hmm. dine at for the rest of your life, what would it be? I had a hard time with this. I'm sure you did too. I did too, but I had to pick an answer not by what I like, but by what I think if I could only eat at this place. I'm thinking practical. Practical, yeah. I'm going to have to pick Norm's because you can get any meal at Norm's. Like if I picked Musso and Frank's, like how many many lobster thermidors can I eat (laughs) in one day? But like Norm's, I'm going to have breakfast, I'm going to have lunch, I'm going to have dinner, I have dessert. It's true. Not that I like Norm's food that much. You just practically, if practically, I have to go. Like the variety not, is so much. Yeah, like I'm not going to live my life out of the Tam O'Shanter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm similar to you. I had to think about the variety of the menu because I would want breakfast stuff and pie, but also drinks. Of course, of course I wouldn't would. need it to feel like a diner. So I got, <laughs> got cherry cokes over at Norm's. <laughs> it's a tie between two places. I couldn't pick. Okay, between Philippe's. Which yeah. has a oh, breakfast. They do have breakfast. That's they true. have grape pie. They think have your, coffee. Think they have. Think of your cholesterol, Greg. I mean, like, if I'm eating at the same place every day, I probably don't want to be alive. <laughs> so it was a tie between Felipe. Oh, yeah. We are strapped down. We're strapped down, uh, which has everything from pie and breakfast, lunch to wine and I beer. Breakfast, dinner. My other choice, very similarly, was House of Pies. Not necessarily the greatest food. Yeah, that's solid Norm's pie. Ass. They have wine and I think they. Have, I don't think they have cocktails, but I think they have wine and beer uh, and a pretty big menu with awesome mozzarella sticks. That'll get me through forty years alone. <laughs> so between those, Philippe's and and uh, House of Pies. Follow up question: Is this paid for? Because if oh, so, I'm question. changing my answer to uh, the now closed Pacific Dining Car. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
if not paid if for. If Spider Baby's paying for this. Yeah. We say that as if Norm's isn't as expensive as Pacific Diamond Car would be where it's still around. I thought Norm's was cheap food. I thought that was our Waffle House. There's no house. such thing as cheap food I guess you're anymore. Right. Not in Los Angeles. There's nothing cheap in Los Angeles no. anymore. Except the women. Oh, no. What have oh, I said? No. What Greg, have can I we said? edit that out? I, I, so what I, do we go on? I go back to what I... Uh, women are smart, but not funny. I, I, that's all I wanted that's to say. That's the hill I want to die on. <laughs> You're an idiot. Um, <laughs> they should do a Halloween Horror Nights where it's just like people being it's canceled. Joe Rogan yeah. fans. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's like Louis C.K. and... Christy Alia. Uh, <laughs> and they have a microphone. They're like, you can't say anything these days. No one will say anything. No one will let me <laughs> say almost, anything. I'm running out. I waited yeah. two hours for this. So watch these movies. Yeah. Enjoy your October. Get scary. Get scary. Go visit all the Halloween locations in South Pasadena and Hollywood. Not talked about today because that takes place in Haddonfield, Illinois. Bring your passport. <laughs> yeah, watch these. Uh, and really, this Halloween, really think about the wage disparity in Los Angeles. Think about housed versus unhoused. And I hope that you have a little more sympathy for people who have nothing. Yeah. Depending on which of these movies you watch. Yeah, sure. dep- yeah exactly. Not, don't, don't start with a craft if that's <laughs> the message you want to walk away with. The greatest month in LA is here, so take advantage of it. Take advantage of it, because we have a lot of things going on in October. I have to start doing Halloween stuff in September. There's so much stuff to do. People are complaining about it. I'm like, oh, good, because... I needed more time because we have four weekends oh, yeah. in October and they're all used up. Halloween needs at least a month and a half yep. at this point. Yep. There's too much. I don't have enough time nope. to do everything. Nope. We'll see you uh, next time. This has been another episode of the Alley Meekly podcast. Designing Etsy signs since 2013. Eat the rich. Hanging over my uh, stove. Eat the rich. <laughs> Stay out of my kitchen because I'll kill you. But- <laughs> Uh, I can make it look like an accident hanging right over my... (laughs) Underneath that. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot, not a lot of wall space. No, I lost my fortune to frames. (laughs) See ya. Bye. Bye.